and welcome to episode 384 of the Awesome Comics Podcast, a place where the small press makes one hell of a big noise. I'm Vince Hunt. I have a very creaky chair that I need to replace, but as always... Oh, I thought that me, was my chair. Mine's no, it's my chair. Too. It's, it's, like right. it's, it, it's uh, just as straight up, I mean, like an office kind of chair, but it sounds like it's an old rocking chair from the 1800s. <laughs> um, but oh, that's your arse. No, that makes a different kind of noise. More like the aliens from War of the Worlds. Anyway, joining me as always is the creator of the webcomic Vanguard, Dan Butcher. Hello. And the man with a bigger pull list than Stretch Armstrong, it's Tony Esmond. Hello. Hello, everyone. Yeah. How are, how are you all? You can't respond. I'm thinking of reducing my uh, pull list. Oh, what? So it's yeah. only like 150 comics a week? Well, no, because I've got into that DC thing where you get the comics a right. month later. I was saying you just I'll gave the person who runs Gosh a, a stroke. Oh, attack. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, don't worry, folks. His pool list is still yeah, en- en- enormous. Yeah. Um, but yes, welcome to the show. We've got um, a wonderful guest that we'll get an interview with that we'll get a second. We just in. finished, didn't we? I'm very excited. Yes. You'll, you'll, you'll learn so much. I feel like we could have gone on and on and on. Yeah. Oh man, that wasn't that wasn't even a tenth of my notes. No, 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 I could oh, tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, as such, we're not going to mess about with the beginning bit. Although, yeah. I mean, we will mess about. Yeah, wow, well, I mean, some people that don't mess about are our lovely sponsors. Who are they? Nicely done, Comic, comic House. House. Ah, Comic House. Yes, the wonderful indie comic marketplace that loves indie comics as much as we do and you do. Well, we hope you do, because that's why you're listening to the show, I think. Yeah. Um, if you um, go to comichouse.com, you see there's a huge collection of titles on their database. If you self-publish, you can add your titles on there as well. Just another avenue to get your work out there. And you have an app, which is basically like Netflix for comics. Only £3 a month, and you get access to an ever-growing library of digital indie comics. Um, just last week, I recommended a couple of things from there. and There's loads of great stuff, as well as art. Our stuff and past and future guests, etc. Um, what stuff is on there at the moment, Dan? Uh, there's a new title on there, which I've got to say has, has piqued my interest. It's called uh, Recipe for Ascension, Volume 1, Issue 1. And in the beginning, there was Dartmouth. And this is from 1951 Comics. Uh, and they're hailing from Canada. And the oh, okay. story synopsis goes as, as this. Uh, a 50-year 50, 50 romp of a star-crossed couple chosen to be ladies of the paradigm switch between organic to non-organic world. Written uh, by a chap called Bob Dobbs. Bob That's Dobbs. Gonna be a diff- uh, well done, Bob Dobbs. That's going to be a difficult wank. Sorry, yeah. it's, he's, the character's called Bob Dobbs. Uh, it's written by a, a chap called J.S. Wenzel. Yes, when so fuck you, Bob Dobbs. Did you say uh is it was it darkness in the title or Dartmouth? Uh, in the beginning there was Dartmouth. I thought that was it. That really um He's never been to Dartmouth then, is it? It's quite I, nice here. I, I love a play on words. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't there said is... that for about a hundred episodes. I know. Is there a Dartmouth in the US? I presume there is. Must yeah, be nice in there. Yeah, yeah. They nick everything, don't they? I've just sent you the cover for that. I think you can get a uh, an idea, a, a link to it. I think you can get an idea for the cover of the book. But I'm, I'm going to look forward to checking it out on the app because I don't know what the fuck that's going to be. I really don't. <laughs> oh, amazing. Oh, God. God only knows what that is. <laughs> Looks like a fucking bit of modern art. Yeah. So you, that, that is just another reason to go on to Comic House. Yeah, Who is that weird all, bloke? All, all that and more. It's probably Bob Dobbs. Yeah, probably. Uh, Dobbsy. Um, <laughs> yes. The Dobster. Yeah. <laughs> You, there's a 14 day free trial um so you can go on 
and uh, find out who the dobster is and what he's up to <laughs> and dive, head, dive yeah. head first into the amazing world of small press that we talk about every week as well as the dobs uh, so check out uh, mine's a pint alright Dobbs check out Dobhouse <laughs> I mean comichouse.com I was going to say we before we start like that name. Yeah, yeah we start the interview I did make an off colour sex joke at the start of the interview but uh, our guest didn't notice so it was good we just oh, did you hear that's, that's, not like, that's not like you Dan <laughs> no. yeah I think he'd have been alright for it he was having a laugh yeah. Yeah. You're, you're so reserved normally Dan <laughs> I'm not sure if you picked out Tony but <laughs> I didn't. I don't, I'm not sure. I might have to have a listen back. To didn't really listen back. Yeah. Well, while they're listening back, they'll be listening back at the same time as you're listening now to this fantastic interview with the one and only Paul Kupperberg. Okay, it's very exciting. We've been heavily hinting this week uh, on the Slack about this week's guest. Um, he's written. Well, we'll be asking him. He's written over a thousand comics, if you can believe that. Um, as well as being one of the greats, he's also written for and edited so many of the legends of comics. Um, this is our opportunity to talk to one of comics' most prolific creators and advocates um, and pick up some useful writing tips. So some of the titles, um, The Superman Family of Books, Justice League, E-Man, um, Vigilante, we're definitely going to be talking about that, yeah. Doom Patrol, Scooby-Doo, many, many more, ladies and gentlemen. Paul Kupperberg. How you doing, Paul? Good, how are you? Good, man. This is very, very exciting for us. Thanks yes. for coming on. Yeah. Yeah. We're massive fans. Our lives. <laughs> <laughs> I, we have I, had five minutes for you. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I love the fact that that Scooby Doo was on the end of that list as well, wasn't it, Tony? I I'm love Scooby Doo, man. It was uh, Scooby Doo was a ball to write. Right? Yeah. Who was was it? Joe Stain drawing it at the time, or uh, Joe drew some of it. Um, there was another guy who drew a lot of them called Fabio uh, uh, Fabio Laguna. Uh, ah, cool. Uh, um, who just was, did brilliant stuff on Scooby Doo. He's gone on. He does a lot of uh, uh, coloring books and and you know uh, coloring and and um, uh, you know that type of stuff and kids books. But uh, I, he did some beautiful work on it. So did Joe. I always love working mm. with Joe. Yeah, Joe's great. I'm, I tell my wife she looks like Velma from Scooby Doo, Paul. Yeah. And um, I got <laughs> Joe Staten to do a drawing of her once when I was a new. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, and um, oh, she but, wasn't. Yeah, she wasn't happy. She wasn't happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> Is she ever ever Tony? I put it up in the bathroom. She wasn't happy then either. You know what I mean? <laughs> the drawing. Yeah. 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 I'm always fan. Sorry. <laughs> I enjoyed writing them. They were, uh, you know, like yeah. these goofy little mysteries that don't have to make any sense whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I found as I got older, there's a newfound appreciation I had for the artists who have to do those books that are based on animations. It's not like yeah. they yeah. have to, they have that style. It has to look like the animated style, hasn't it? And that takes a quite a, a lot of skill rather than just making it your own you can't make it your own uh, i guess in your way you, like you were right a writer has more freedom in that way with a well, you know, that's partially true but you know you'd be surprised like you know i i looked at this stuff real carefully mm. uh, from the different people who drew it off my scripts and there are you know there is a identifiable in their in their own ways as you know Carl Barks was on the duck stories yeah. you know i can yeah. i can just pick these guys out of a lineup a lot of them um because they do have their in you know joe staten's yeah. line is so much different than fabio's line and and uh you know they just they 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 they're doing the same characters but they're approaching them in, in very different ways so mm. okay interesting mm. we are going to get to some ip <clears throat> chat in a bit because um you've actually worked on dread as well am i right in st paul 
Yes. Um, uh, my first contact with with uh, 2000 AD was back in the early 90s. I, I actually did a strip for 2000 AD when oh, uh, nice. when Richard Burton was editor. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, so I did a Yeah, it was a strip called Trash. Uh, ah, cool. Like, you know, an environmental dread. Um, but um, but yeah, years later, uh, DC got the license. And, um, you know, somebody remembered that I had written a story for 2000 AD and they went, well, you know, he should edit this stuff then. Ah, I get you. Oh, good stuff. Which was post the Stallone movie, wasn't it? It was kind of in that style, I guess. It was, it was, well, yes and no. I mean, we didn't follow the movie or or anything, but it was during that time. I I also got to edit the, um, uh, the movie adaptation. Oh, okay. By Andy Helfer and, and drawn by uh, Carlos Escara, which was wow. Was a yeah. Um, yeah. I, I got to meet Carlos and and, uh, and and have a lunch with him when he was in the States one time during that period. So very cool just to, you know, just yeah. to admit that guy. He was such a sweetheart. The one that he's the big deal over here, man. You know, in English comics, he's the one. Oh, sure. Often, you know. Yeah. Every, um, every reason why. Yeah, exactly. But, um, Agreed. But yeah, so uh, you know, we didn't we didn't want to do well. I mean, you know, the two thousand eight approach is it's uh, to the to strips is is uniquely you know two thousand AD American comics yeah. is different. So we mm. did it like American comics, and um, you know, I, I'm proud of the of the work we did for the most part. Uh, I thought Andy Helfer wrote some you know great stories, and and yeah. Michael Avon Oming was uh, you know did some really cool interesting art. Oh, nice. Yeah, I like his stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, you know, it just didn't work here. But, you know, I kind of got that feeling all along. Um, uh, there was the guy who was marketing uh, the, the Dread movie here. Same guy who had marketed the Teenage Ninja Mutant Turtles. Right. Who, and and he, was insist- uh, he was insistent that, you know, Dread was going to be the next big thing. And he was just pushing it. And, you know, I said to him, no, <laughs> I bet, bet you all my money against all your money that that doesn't happen. Uh, he didn't take the bet. And That's a shame. Happen. Yeah, yeah. But, um, well, let's let's if, let's if you don't mind, Paul, let's rewind a bit because um, sure. I think what people listening to this will find interest is you actually started. Well, you started writing comics at a very young age, but before that, you started in the fan press, didn't you? Um, yeah. And you were involved. Um, I've heard you say it was Paul Levitt's a sort of school boyfriend yeah. of yours you were friends of his when you were youngsters weren't you you know paul, paul and i met in um in middle school uh, wow middle okay school, it was then called in uh, ninth grade <laughs> so it was it you and paul both then got the gig of working on the comic reader is that right was that the first thing that happened or well what happened was we, we were two random you know fans in in a in a uh, a junior high school that had three random fans, you know, <laughs> going to it, um, and uh, w- you know, we ran into each other. We met through through the third guy, um, and uh, we became friends and started hanging out and uh, you know, producing you know, crudzines of our own on uh, on Xerox and and uh, you know, it was just, you know, awful typical for you know, fifteen sixteen year old stuff. Cool. And then um, an opportunity came up. Uh, there was uh, uh, Don and Maggie Thompson. I don't know if you know who they are. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they were uh, uh, they're they're you know legendary American fans and 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 uh, 
fanzine publishers and Maggie later went on to publish uh, um, to, to be the editor of um, uh, you know that big tabloid magazine about comics I'm, I'm comics international on the name in the comics journal now yeah no no not the journal the comics um, feature the other one the no the 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 new the newspaper side oh um not the um, comics reader is it i'm trying to think what it's called yeah i know the one you mean yeah i know the one you mean and yeah yeah anyway uh at the time in in 1971 uh they were doing a uh a mimeograph fanzine called uh a beautiful balloon in which they reported the news monthly and um the comic book news and um uh they were going to be retiring the fanzine because they you know they had young kids and all that it was going to be too much and paul and i just saw an opportunity to try and jump in uh you know we lived in new york so we right. had access to publishers and um we had a rudimentary knowledge of of putting together a a crappy looking uh, little publication and um <laughs> You know, so we did that. We it, we literally got this whole thing started with sixteen dollars. Uh, nice. for, for we went photo offset. We decided to go big time. And, yeah, I've heard uh, you talk about the uh, the the process you had to go through about writing and rewriting. And God, that sounded like a nightmare. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, it was. You know, you you have to type everything out, and if you want to do justified columns, you have to retype it to adjust you know, extra spaces in each line to make the, the, the columns justified. Oh. And then, you, had to use, you know, we use things like uh, um, rubber cement and later glue sticks to, uh, uh, you know, paste these typewritten strips that we cut out and put them on, on blue, uh, blue line, uh, you know, boards with the, uh, and, you know. That's, and that's cut and paste, isn't it? That's proper cut and paste. It was, yeah. It was, yeah. It was actual <laughs> and paste and then there was press type to contend with you know it was a rub off uh type uh that that you we created titles with and things like that it was just a whole you know it, it was a lot of work but yeah. you know, it, we did it uh, we were in high school and we had the energy and the you know we, we we just wanted to do these fanzines uh you know it was all kind of in service of, of one of these days breaking into the business um uh, but uh you know we were just focused on this stuff. I, you know, I, I had to turn down working for the school newspaper because I was too busy making fanzines. Good man. That were, yeah. That were going to, you know, that were read by more people than ever read the school newspaper. <laughs> now, I, when we, you know, when we first chatted, Paul, and, you know, suggested coming on and everything, I sort of see you as a DC guy. But, and I know that, did you and Paul take the DC tour a couple of times as well? Is that right? Yeah, not together. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah, we went on we went on the DC tours uh, separately, but yeah, we both made it up there for that. Um, I think the first one was like in 1968. Wow, I was 13, and um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was uh, you know. It, it, Do you remember it, who you met on that tour at all? I remember a few people: uh, Sal yeah. Harrison, Murphy Anderson, wow. Neil Adams. Oh, um, nice. Uh, yeah, I'm well. Neil and Murphy used to work in the office regularly. Okay. Yep. They just like getting out of the house and having some place to go, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and for DC, it worked because they had these guys who were sitting there, mostly doing their own freelance. But when you needed a correction, an art correction, you know, there was one Superman artist and one, uh, you know, and yeah. one Batman artist. So. And that was the period we were getting those like those amazing Neil Adams Superman covers. I'm guessing around that time. Yeah, that was when he yeah. was he was still a you know he's still a newbie. 
Uh, wow. Okay. Uh, you know, he was still, still, what was he, 20, you know, 26, 27, whatever it was, 28. Yeah. Um, and, um, uh, but, you know, always in a jacket and tie and, uh, uh, and Murphy too. Um, yeah. That seems nuts. I mean, you know, back in, yeah. when, when you went up to the office, you'd see a bunch of middle-aged guys wearing short sleeve white shirts and ties. Yeah, I love that. Look. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah, but then yeah, except, it's only three Robert years later it changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Bob Canada, he was always beautifully dressed in in tweeds and turtlenecks and uh, and uh, you know scarves and cashmere coats. <laughs> now, even though you, well, I see you as this DC guy. I mean, most of your, I think it's fair to say, most of your work's been done oh, with yeah. the, your first work was with um, was it Charlton? Was it your first work? Charlton Comics. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is um, Scary Tales three. I think I'm, I've got written Scary down here. Scary Tales three. Yes, that was yeah. it. So how did that come about, Paul? Um, uh, uh, blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I was listening to the album and I wrote those stories, and it was. <laughs> no, it was. Um, you know, the aim all along was to somehow doing something, but be in comic books. Right. Um, okay. And, uh, you know, my brother had already uh, uh, started working in comics. He, he was in D.C.'s production department for a while. Okay. Uh, and he, he did some pets. He moved over to Marvel. Uh, yeah, I've got a page of your brothers literally opposite me now, a page from Master oh, really? of Kung Fu. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great oh, wow. page, man. Yeah, I love that page. Cool. Yeah. But, you know, he, he, they were more tolerant of him at Marvel, so he, he went over there. <laughs> um, trust me, really. Um, <laughs> and... Um, uh, you know, and I grew up, I mean, you know, I literally started reading comic books before the Marvel as we know it existed. Yeah. You know, I was reading comic books in 19, uh, reading them, you know, I was, I was four or five years old in 59 and 60 and, uh, uh, and I was, you know, into comic books. I mean, I didn't read them per se, but, you know, I yeah, could, I know I could you follow mean. the stories. Uh, I loved Wonder Woman by Kaniger and, and Andrew Nesposito, which was a weird little book back in those days. Yeah, it was uh, you know had had a lot of fairy tale kind of stuff going on and okay. and 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 uh, you know went to top and and uh, so it was a great book for you know for for little kids and then I you know gradually you know I, I saw Superman on on the old uh, cartoons the nineteen forties cartoons on on TV. Um, and, uh, then I kind of eventually matched up those black and white images on, you know, a 1960 television set to the color one on the newsstand in the candy store around the corner. And, uh, you know, oh, good. So were you drawing at the time as well? You did some drawing as well. I didn't draw. I, uh, you know, I, I fan drew, I, you know, okay. you know, I didn't, I, I was, I was. I always described it as like I was like a talented twelve-year-old, but I never got any better than that. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when did you realize that you could write these things? I mean, that's always the story we hear from people. You know, they they sort of realize, oh, these things are written by someone and then handed to an artist and stuff like that. Was there that revelation for you? I don't think so. Um, I, I kind of I, I don't know why, but I kind of had a realistic. Um, uh, I, I, you know, well, I, I there was kind of an artistic background in my family. My my was a, a painter and and later a sculptor and, and wow. uh, my father was a photographer and he used to you know have a home uh, he used to develop his 
his pictures in the in, in the bathroom uh, with a red light bulb. <laughs> and um, uh, so I was kind of surrounded by by the creation of things. So I kind of understood that there were people behind it. Um, and then when I was like seven or eight, I started kind of writing and drawing my own little comics, you know, on loose leaf paper and, and notebook yeah. paper. Um, and, um, you know, it was just kind of, I guess, having been so, you know, looking at so many of them and, and starting to read them, I, it kind of just sunk in, uh, you know, the form mm. was kind of, you know, I absorbed it. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and I've, I've heard the quote from you that there's no one way to write a comic book story. There's only your way. And was okay. it sort of, were you sort of self-taught around that, I'm guessing? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, there was nobody else to teach anything anyway in, in the early yeah. 60s. There were no books. Um, you know, comic books were still, you know, the, the audience was, was were, were 8 to 13-year-olds. Mm, and, yeah. and then you grew up. Um <laughs> Uh, if only I... I i think there's something to be said that i i think it's it's exactly the way it is now that like you can tell when someone has written a comic book and they haven't read any comic books yeah agreed man I, totally because yeah. there's, oh, there, there's a certain rhythm isn't there there's there's the way the panel it's instinctual flow. isn't it yeah, yeah yeah it's a very it, it's a very different format of different a very different form of writing than most others i mean i and i've yeah. done you know i've written fiction and non-fiction i've written short stories i've written novels i've written screenplays you know they're they're each their own thing yeah, and yeah. um uh and comics is is very uniquely its own thing you know you have to have you have to have a cinema a, a, an artistic eye in even even an artist who can't draw anything still has to have you know a kind of a, a trained artistic eye in, in yeah. their mind to, to be able to to visualize what they need for the story and to be able to communicate that to an artist. Yeah, a visual imagination and a visual memory are the two things I think a lot of the time, aren't they? To be able to mm. translate it on a page, yeah. 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 So Superman, is it Superman Family you ended up doing the first one? Superman Family 182, is that your first DC work? Uh, yeah, it was the first of the uh, of Dollar Comic Superman Family issues. Of course, uh, right. And... Um, I did a um, I did a, a world of Krypton story, uh, kind right. of on Krypton, which was notable only for the fact that uh, it was penciled by Marshall Rogers. Wow. Okay, that's great. So back then, did you get to interact with the artists at all? Or, I mean, we hear these stories about you know Kirby hadn't re- met Joe Sinnott you know till you know decades yeah. later. Right? <laughs> you know, did you meet these guys at all? I, I met most of them, but you know, yeah. not necessarily in in the course of doing specific jobs. Um, right. We were, you know, I, my first work was in 1975, uh, and it was still a, you know, for the most part, an assembly line. Yeah. Very few people, very few creative teams got together, you know, uh, 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 and worked out stories, uh, you know. Uh, Len Wein and Bernie Wrightson on Swamp Thing were the exception rather than the rule. Okay. You know, uh, for the most part, you went home and wrote the script that you'd worked out with the editor, and then the editor would pass it on to the artist, and the next thing you would see would be the finished art. Well, um, okay. You know, so, you know, when people say, what was it like working with Kirby? It was the same as it was working with Dick Ayers. <laughs> right, okay. I wrote yeah. a script. 
I, I handed it to the editor and it came back and was like, whoa, Jack Kirby, cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's the best you, thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. So did you get did you get to meet Jack eventually or chat about it with him at all? Or no, never about that. I met Jack in the eighties in a San Diego convention. Right. Um, there was a birthday party for him that year. There was a whole uh, cool. Uh, nice one. Well, and, think... you know, and, and most of the conversation with Jack was, you know, you want to talk to him about being freaking Jack Kirby <laughs> and all. And he's such a modest little guy that all he's right. doing is doing, no, no, it's, it ain't me. It's you kids. You're the guys doing the great stuff. These days. And it's like, shut up. Take the compliment. <laughs> <laughs> No. That's kind of nice to hear, though. I mean, he's had standards yeah. here for all those decades. I suppose he, he's going to be a bit like that, isn't he? Yeah, no. <laughs> Most of these guys were, were just really nice people. Uh, yeah. uh, they, they, you know, there were a few jackasses uh, along the way. But even they were like, you know, this, you know, Bob Kaniger, pretty much yeah. a jackass. But man, was he fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Know? He was so interesting. He was, you know, uh, I, he was a close talker. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. There was some truth in every story he told, but you know, <laughs> only some. And um, uh, you know, but it was it was fascinating. It's like here's this guy who grew. He wrote the Metal Men. He created the Metal Men and wrote that yeah. first issue over a weekend. Cool. Wow. Back and read that story. He's <laughs> created this whole you know little family of complex characters. That and it all comes across in that in that very first story. He was That's great. a really good writer. Yeah. Well, let's run through. I've got a little list of people you work with, and I, okay. I, I, if I didn't get the chance to ask you about it, Paul, I would be upset. So, <laughs> yeah. um, first off, Ju Julie Schwartz. So I've heard you describe him as being a little bit scary. Is that right? He was at first. I mean, he right. was. Um, you know, Marvel fans had Stan Lee, and Stan was this, you know, jocular you know, kind of fun uncle thing. Yeah. Kind of thing going on. And Julie was not, Julie played Perry White. Julie did the whole gruff thing. Okay. And I grew up, you know, his comics were the best comics. No doubt. You know, he, right. was, he was the guy who created, who, who, who paved the way for the creation of, of modern comic books. You know, his, his stories, even through the fifties in the Westerns and the, uh, uh, the science fiction stuff were really good. You know, they weren't, they didn't play to that same kind of, uh, you know, choke how ironic uh, twist ending stuff that, uh, uh, you know, Stan was doing all the monster books uh, on, yeah. at, at Atlas. Um, and then his superhero stuff, you know, you go back and reread that first, you know, a couple of years of, of Fantastic Four. It's really not that sophisticated at all. Right. <laughs> In fact, it is downright juvenile. It is rife <laughs> with 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 you know like stuff that you know the the first of all, why aren't they dead of cancer? Because everything, well, you know, don't worry about Johnny sitting on the sofa. It's made of asbestos. Really? Right. Okay. <laughs> That's impossible. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> um, you know, and 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 the thing, you know, he couldn't just walk through a door. He had to bash through walls, and you know the. The, the there was a family dynamic in it, but it was a family really without parents. It was more of the Bowery Boys, you know. Yeah. With with, with Reed being, um, you know, uh, Leo Dorsey, which is the strangest well, image I've ever come up with. 
<laughs> well, I'm guessing. <laughs> well, I'm guessing you um you were a Doom Patrol fan at the time, were you? Because I know they pretty much came out around the same time, didn't they? Um, they did, but I didn't discover the Doom Patrol until after they were cancelled. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I found them in back issues, uh, and by the time I I saw my first story, which was a a, a crossover with the Challengers of the Unknown, um, the book had already been cancelled. So I had to go and you know dig right. through a few old comic shops that were around and and find back issues. Cool. And then you were, I said, I'm, you were part and parcel of bringing them back in showcase and then into their own title. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love, I love the characters. Uh, you know, you know, I said that Julie Schwartz's books were even the superhero stuff uh, was, was a lot more sophisticated, I think, than, than most of the Marvel stuff of the same era, but Doom Patrol, uh, Arnold Drake's Doom Patrol was, the closest to a Marvel comic that DC ever published. Um, yeah. That, that the dynamics were, you know, Arnold recognized what was going on at, at, at Marvel, I think, and was kind of doing that stuff. And, and even Bob Haney to a little, little bit, bit of an X-Men vibe, wasn't there? Yeah. 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 I mean, and again, you know, I don't, I, I don't think the Doom Patrol is, um, is so much a, a, a takeoff on, on, on the X-Men, and neither are takeoff of, of either because they were just coincidentally yeah. were, you know, published at the same time. It was so almost the same it, week, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. I yeah. think it was the same. No, no. I think it was, um, no. I think there was like a two or three month difference, but I, I don't oh, know. Oh, okay. Okay. But, you know, but the, the whatever, however you work the timing, there's no way that, you know, Stan heard about this and would have had time to duplicate it and have the book in production and and out yeah. that book. It was just you yeah, know, I coincidence. Mm. Um, yeah, cool. And uh, but you know, I always thought that the Doom Patrol had more of a, a Fantastic Four vibe to it. You know, more okay. of that family, um, you know, that, that family thing going on than than uh, than the X Men. But yeah, I read the the run you did with Steve Lytle yesterday. Um, <laughs> spectacularly good. Yeah, he was great, man. What a great artist. Yeah, he did some beautiful work on that. And, and, uh, yeah. It, it, uh, unfortunately, it didn't last as long as it should have. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, agreed. Um, a couple of other people I wanted to mention to you. That, so um, you, you're credited with writing the first ever miniseries as well, which is the World of Krypton with Mr. Chaykin, I believe, wasn't it? Is that right? Uh, yes. Um, it was originally written to be a, a, an arc in the Revive Showcase run. Um, oh, okay. And it was supposed to coincide with the Superman movie, but the Superman movie got pushed back and then Showcase got canceled. And then when the movie did finally w- was on its way, they they found out they couldn't really do tie-ins with it because of some contractual uh, hassle with uh, okay. So, uh, okay. so uh, then they remembered they had this in the drawer. And, you know, there, there's an ad for it. It's, you know, they don't use the word miniseries, but yeah. it was, you know, it was it was published and sold as a limited, uh, you know, three-issue run. Yeah. I mean, I'm, a, I'm a massive Chaykin fan as well. And um, yes, oh, well, I think you were almost neighbors, weren't you? Is that right? You lived near each other or something? Well, in Brooklyn. Um, right. Uh, he lived in, uh, you know, he lived in, 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 one one section of Brooklyn. It wasn't far. I mean, it was it was an, an area me and my friends would go to often because 
a few miles, like a mile or so, mile and a half away from where uh, Howard and a whole bunch of other guys, you know, the, yeah. Those, um, Val Merrick and those guys, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I said to to, to Howard when I interviewed him for, for for the book that's coming up, I said it, it's like you guys traveled in in packs in those days, and he said, <laughs> yeah, well, we had to because we were so like you know wrapped up in our own little fantasy world there that if we didn't travel together, we would have all been like you know out in the wilderness. <laughs> but, and that was that was Upstart Studios, wasn't it? I think Simonson was there, and well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't Upstart Studios yet, but okay, right? Yeah, you know, or maybe it was. You know, I don't remember. Um, uh, Howard was my was friends with my brother. Oh, okay, uh, he was also part of that pack for a while. Um, I get you. And um, you know, so I've known Howard since you know before I I got into the business. Uh, uh, you know, they have pictures of them having dinner at you know at our house. Uh, yeah, that's brilliant. So that's cool. Um, but um, uh, yeah, and and actually, my brother did the layouts for that miniseries. Oh, okay. Yeah, and Howard finished the art, and then uh, Murphy Anderson, well, Murphy the first two, and then um, what was it, Frank McLaughlin, the last one. Okay. Wow, you remember things, man. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember why I had for breakfast. <laughs> I couldn't tell you that, but <laughs> um, one of the, so one of the other things that's got something to do with the people you worked with is is the creation. I've just reread Arian Lord um, Lord of Atlantis as well this week, and uh -huh. um, I think that's an interesting story from the point of view of being a freelancer. So, if I could maybe lay it up, would you mind explaining what happened? Because as I understand it, you created Arian. He appeared in Warlord then got his own series and then you right. got you got taken off it is that right yes yeah um i i created uh arian for backup and warlord uh, they needed a new thing so i pitched that yeah and it sold and then after a while uh uh it uh it got its own title and um there was a change of editors and it went from laurie sutton who was the originating editor to um uh, ernie cologne yeah, who uh, was a, a a mystery as to why he was an editor, <laughs> and um, I um, I handed in my plot for number three, continuing on the story that had been going already, and I got it back from him with you know with this doesn't work, fix it. What do you right. mean? I don't know. It just doesn't work. Fix it. And um, so I went home and I you know, fixed it, I guess. Uh, well, actually, I didn't because, no, nah, still not right. Eh, try something else. Any suggestions? No, but this, this, you know. And then after my third try, he was like, he, he well, he didn't call me. He, he had Dick Giordano call me. And so okay. I was off the book uh, because, you know, obviously I couldn't give him what he wanted on my creation. Um, so, uh, yeah. But I mean, these days, someone, people would be throwing themselves on swords on Twitter if that happened to them. Do you know yes. what I mean? It would be yes. a nonstop drama. I think I'm yeah. right, boys, wouldn't yeah, I? Unless, yeah. everybody, unless everybody liked what Doug Munch was doing more than what I did. But <laughs> did you, I mean, did you have a chat with Doug about that? I'm a massive fan of his as well. I mean, you know, he's a great I writer. am too. Uh, no, I never spoke to Doug about it. He had, he really had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Right. He, okay. He was just a guy getting a gig. Um, I mean, that's to, to me, that's almost part of it being a business and not being this sort of group of friends who are just making comics together. You know, it is a business, isn't it? It is a business. You know? yeah. 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 
And, uh, you know, even Dick was was apologetic. But, you know, he said, look, yeah. I got to back my editors. Otherwise, you know. Okay. Um, but um, and then after eight months, Ernie was uh, was uh, I, I think the technical term is fired. Uh, <laughs> and um, and uh, um, uh, Joe Orlando was given the edit, the, the title to edit. Right. And Joe called me up and said, why aren't you writing the book you created? And I said, I don't know. You'll have to ask Ernie. I never got a good answer. And he said, well, whatever. You're back on the book. You're late. So um, <laughs> so I had to my editor for, for six or eight months. And that was that was enlightening. Yeah, I mean, you know? is that? I and, mean, Joe, and, Joe, and Joe's a guy who's going to defend the creator, you know? Yeah. He understood. He understood what had happened, and and uh, uh, I mean, was that? It doesn't sound from the way you tell it, Paul. Was was that a clash of personalities? Was that something like that? Or was it just no, Ernie, you know, an ill-informed editor? Fine. You know, no, I got along fine yeah. with him. You know, he was, he was yeah, never any problem I knew of. I think he just wanted to give a gig to Doug, and um, right, okay, okay, you know, and then you know, years later, when I was the editor of Judge Dredd, um. Ernie showed up at my office door uh, saying, telling me he just spoke to Dick Giordano and Dick said I should give him the assignment on Judge Dredd. Right. <laughs> so doubting this, I I said, why don't you wait here? And I went and talked to Dick and Dick said, no, I told him he should go up and talk to you about it. And, right. Uh, okay. And so I went back up and I said, well, now that that's cleared up, uh, sorry, I'm, you know, I, I, I won't be, uh, it's not going to be happening. I've decided to go with Doug Munch instead. So, <laughs> now as part of that story, didn't for some did Joe Kubert take over something on that book? Because I think I, I read an anecdote of you saying he said there's too much magic, and you said, "Well, yeah, it's he, a book about magic," but he sort yeah. of put you straight around it a bit. Is that right? Yeah, he he took me. He took over editing the, the title when when uh, when Ernie left. Um, right. So uh, you know, having Joe Hubert as your editor is very intimidating. Um, and Joe wasn't the kind of guy who would say, "Do this." Uh, he was the kind of guy who would go, "You know what might be good," and then say something, you know, wise and cryptic, and uh, let you figure it out. And yeah, he said to me, there's, there's too much magic in this book. And I, you know, I said, but it's a comic book about a, a, a sorcerer in ancient Atlantis. He goes, yeah, I know, but it's too much magic. Why don't you get rid of the magic book? Yeah. I was like, yeah, buddy, uh, you know, okay, you're Joe Kubert and I'm not. So, um, so I did, I, I dropped, you know, I got rid of the magic and, you know, within an issue or two, I saw exactly what he meant. It, it was that I was using the magic as a crutch. Anytime, you know, Ariana okay. in the trouble, you know, presto changeo, everything's cool. Uh, uh, so, you know. And that's when you took his powers off him for a bit, didn't you? Is that right? Yeah. 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 Uh, so, good. Um, you know, uh, uh, it was it was good advice. It, it was good for the character. And it was, you know, good for me as a, as a writer, too. Uh, you know, yeah. Kinda, um, yeah, I'm guessing it must be. Yeah. Yeah, but there's, well, there's know, that. I, I come from a culture, you know. I grew up on these, on these, these, 
you know, dumbass 1950s Superman and Batman stories, you know, the the <laughs> Superman fighting guys in suits and Batman fighting aliens and science fiction monsters, you know. Uh, and so, you know, even though I, I started writing in an era where people were starting to say stuff and, and do something with these stories, I was kind of you know, all starry-eyed about just being in the business. So yeah, you know, I, I knew that, that, you know, Mort Weisinger's stories were silly and juvenile and nothing that we should, uh, we should try to emulate these days. But I also wasn't doing the kind of stuff, you know, guys like Gerber or Engelhart were doing, which was, you know, trying to deal with, with, with what was going on in the world and, and in life. Yeah even though they were doing it in this kind of, you know, artificial world of superheroes and fantasy. Yeah. Well, we're definitely going to touch on the fact that you brought the real life into the DC universe. I think I, I sort of, I hinted at it in a message to you um, earlier today, but just quickly, just a couple more people I wanted to mention. Um, you worked on Supergirl. I, can I just say DC needs to get off their ass and put a lot of your Superman stories on the app because they're just not on there. But what is on there that is sucks. the Supergirl. Yeah, it okay. does. But what is on there is the Supergirl stuff, um, and you worked on that. You worked on there. And talk about power dynamics. You worked on there with Carmine, Carmine Infantino as well, who yeah. before this was the big cheese, wasn't he? You know. Well, Carmine, you know, he was, he was my Jack Kirby. You know, I yeah. grew up. I grew up on the DC stuff. Uh, I, yeah. um, I read the Marvels, but they were kind of, you know, they were secondary. Um, yeah. And. Um, Carmine drew every great comic that I grew up with in the in the sixties, you know the well, most of them. The other ones were drawn by Gil Kane. Yeah, yeah. So you know, uh, Flash and and Adam Strange and 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 and, and uh, you know his Batman stuff in in the sixties. Yeah. You know, it was just all so he was the artist. He was the guy, and. Um, you know, and and I known him a little. You know, when I was on staff in the seventies, and and uh, he was still publisher. Yeah. Um, uh, and you know, but he was out of his depth in that job. You know, he 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 was a a really good art director, uh, and um, and I think he did a lot for DC in the sixties when he okay. uh, you know kind of took over the managing editor position, and you know started to help DC get out of the doldrums there that. The, the, he, the he, he's the one who brought Kirby over, isn't he? As I understand it, is that right? He brought Kirby over in in uh, in, in in 1970, yeah. uh, and uh, you know, but before that, he was trying things. He was doing books like, you know, Nelson Bridwell's Secret Six. Okay, Are you familiar with that? Yes. Yeah. I yeah. mean, what what, what kind of you know that was like nothing DC was publishing in those days. Okay, um, but Carmine took a chance. You know, he had Joe Simon was back, and and yeah. and you know. And the, the the choice was wrong, but the thinking was right. You know, well, here's one of the most successful creators in the history of comics. Let's get him back to, to create new stuff. Yeah. Unfortunately, Joe was still creating, you know, the green team and Prez. But at least it was different. You know, it was it was a uh, an attempt to do something outside the the Jack Schiff, Julie Schwartz, uh, you know, Mort Weisinger, Boltonoff box. Yeah. So you worked on Supergirl with him, but you also worked with Kurt Swan. How was how was Kurt? Was he? I'm guessing he was a super nice guy. Was he? Or? Kurt was a, a an absolute sweetheart. Uh, yeah, Kurt nice. was one of the uh, you know I, I met him a few times. He didn't come to the office much, 
but um, um, and then I was at a convention in Kansas City with him and uh, and then flew home on the same flight uh, with most of the other guests from the show. And yeah, and the Kurt was really got the party going at 30. <laughs> nice. Good to know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, Kurt, good party. <laughs> and, uh, uh, there's and, a name for the episode uh, vince <laughs> yeah. so was... yeah no he, he was he was he was you know it, i was living in you know I, I was like a kid growing up on disney walking into disneyland with a free pass you yeah. know i, I can mean imagine, there man. was all these guys there was you know carmine and gil kane and and kurt schaffenberger and and schwartz and 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 you know even the guys who's you know like y- you don't really think of but there was you know sal harrison for christ's sakes you know yeah sal was the man who worked on famous funnies number one he yeah. he, he started you know he worked on on the start of the comic book industry the modern yeah. comic industry jack adler you know a, a brilliant production man who, who you know who, who came up with so many processes that that made the books look better and better. Uh, you know, Mike Houston and I kind of go between. He, I said DC was the Cadillac of comic books, and he said, "Well, I think Dell was, but yeah, it's close." <laughs> um, How was Gil to work with Gil Kane? Did you do much with him? Well, again, the I did one story. Uh, Len Wein and I plotted a uh, Green Lantern, uh, uh, Green Lantern Corps annual. Yeah. Uh, and Carmine drew it and I dialogued it. Um, and um, that was brilliant. You know, that was just beautiful. Here's like the, 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 the creator of, of Green Lantern drawing, you know, not only my Green Lantern story, but a Green Lantern story with a Green Lantern that I created in it. You know? that's, yeah. So, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. But later yeah, on, so cool. I worked with him on a graphic novel, uh, The Life Story of the Flash, and it nearly killed me. <laughs> when i was the editor of that yeah. uh, okay interesting well we're going to get to the editor's thing in a minute because that's important for, i think for our listeners as well um but oh that's so good and then and then as i understand it you started working us lot came over didn't we the english and the british invaded and you worked with um dave gibbons on some green lantern as well didn't mm. you? uh well yeah i i i, I did some uh, there was a period there where len was having trouble with green lantern and right. so, uh, you know, when Bob Greenberger and I compared notes, we were pretty much writing the book for a few months, you know, okay. one would plot it and the other would dialogue it. Um, and, you know, cool. We got paid and and always happy to help Len out. Um, yeah. But um, uh, so, yeah, I, I, I to that extent, Gibbons, yeah, I work with I work with Dave. Oh, nice one. Len Wein, see, I met him once in New York. He's, he was like the nicest person ever. Yeah. What a superb guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good news. Um, yeah, so we're, we're going to talk. We're going to t- quickly talk about a certain vigilante, and then we're going to talk about the editorship, and then we're going to get onto your new books, if that's right, Paul. So I, I've just reread the, pretty much the whole of Vigilante over the last few months. I, I sort of a little. It a was a little block. Certain vigilante, the vigilante, the vigilante. vigilante yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now you took over post. Was it post Alan Moore? I think you did. You write one before, and then you took on after him and Bakey's two issue. Is that right? Um. Yeah, I did a fill-in issue. Yeah, I think right. that's right. I think that my fill-in issue was like number sixteen or something. Yeah, um, it was with Alex Saviak. Ah, oh, nice. Oh, cool. Uh, now this... and uh, hmm? 
it had already started quite a bleak turn by that point, had it? Or was that something you sort of started or, or, or just ran with, you know? Um, I think it was, yeah, I mean, it was, it was comic book bleak. Um, yeah. You know, uh, uh, Alan's story really kind of, you know, made you go, oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, drugs and prostitution in that one, wasn't there? I don't know how they got yeah. it past the comics code on that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It wasn't a comic book. It was uh, right. a direct market. It was of course, direct. sorry, my bad. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, then um, after that, I was asked to do a fill-in. I, I did a dialogue over Marv's plot. And then I think it was either I did a second dialogue job and then I took over the story or... Uh, you know, I did the one dialogue and then I took over the book. But yeah, so that was around number 20, 21. And then I, I ran it out uh, until number 50. Which was, as I understand it, am I right in saying it was going to be cancelled? But so you decided to go to to take it to a different kind of cancellation point, if you see what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I mean, we knew the book was, was headed for a danger zone. So it was like, well, why not go out on a high point? Um, yeah. And uh, so we probably could have gotten a few more issues, but the way things had been, you know, I hadn't intentionally set it up. And I think 36 where we have, uh, uh, you know, Adrian Chase gun down a cop. Yeah. And, um, you know, kind of set him on the road to, to self-destruction. I don't think I had the suicide uh, ending in mind at the time. Um, but, you know, I just wanted to escalate things and get it, get it going darker yeah. um and, but you know it was, it was grim and gritty time and yeah uh, i was happy to play in the ballpark i mean i didn't think everything needed to go grim and gritty but um you know there were books like vigilante or checkmate uh or you know whatever that 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 it worked in and that, that was fine uh, yeah but yeah it was um so, for those that don't, for those that don't know, we're listening. He, he kills himself in the last. It's off panel, isn't it? I think, as I recall, but he does kill himself in the last. It's uh, it's close enough to panel where you you know see the blood spurting. So. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's quite challenging. Like even yeah. nowadays, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Well, the artist was Steve Irwin. He did a really nice job. Really great man. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why he's not talked about more. Steve Irwin. He did, he did a splendid job on that series. Yeah, he really did. And you work with him on um, Checkmate as well, didn't you? I think is that right? Yeah, yeah. He co-created. Yeah. Uh, he co-created Checkmate with me. Yeah, cool. I mean, do you, do you ever think? Because I mean, Vigilante's now turned up. He's in the. He's been in the Arrow series, and for those of you, I'm guessing you know, but he's he's also been in the Peace Peacemaker. Right. He's yeah. been in that as well. Yeah. I mean, do you ever regret thinking, "I wish we hadn't killed him off"? He'd have he'd have a run again now, you know. Or you you do you think that's what should have happened? Oh, I think that that should have happened, and right. and I, I, I and I take perverse pride in the fact that he's one of the few dead DC characters that never got brought back to life. Yeah, yeah, you're not yeah. wrong, man. Yeah. So, uh, cool. You know, what? When, when I kills him, I like him to stay there. <laughs> Quite right too. Yeah. Well, this that that leads on. So I'm guessing, did you pitch that to the editor? Did it take some some convincing that that's where you wanted to go with it? No, no convincing whatsoever. It was, okay, who, who was okay. your editor? Who was your editor on that? Uh, Mike Gold. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, and Mike, you know, Michael, uh, Michael with with whatever fu gesture anybody comes up with. So, <laughs> <laughs> you 
you'd worked with him. You'd done some E-Man for him over at first, I'm guessing, by that point as well, hadn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I'd, well, I, I'd known Mike a long time. I was his assistant when he was uh, director of PR at DC in 76. And uh, I worked with him in Chicago in, on a, uh, uh, a video magazine and, and other things. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I worked with Mike on a lot of projects until I learned better. <laughs> um and you also edited so this is the, this is something i know people will want to um will want to hear from you about and just to give some of the, the titles so starman um you you edited was it the whole impact line but it was certainly the flying black black hood wasn't it uh yeah the flying black hood yeah okay uh dark stars um wonder woman flash um aztec impulse um and you also edited at uh, DC and Charlton, didn't you, as well as I'm right saying? Is that right? Uh, yeah, well, the Charlton stuff was kind of... Uh, uh, the latest a, stuff. Thing that was, you know, a made-up company that uh, Roger McKenzie, Mort Todd, and I put together. Uh, figured, you know, uh, okay. Nobody, nobody was using the Charlton name since 1985. Okay. So yeah. we, we just called ourselves uh, Charlton okay. Media Comics. And we did about two or three years. I get you. Yeah. Oh, nice. So when you took over, I mean, I think I'm right in saying you'd have an editorial assistant as well. Um, did you go in it with any sort of ideas? You know, this is how I'm going to run my ship. This is how we're going to, you know, deal with storyline. This is how far in the future we're going to look at stuff. Did you go in with anything like that? Or is it sort of, you know, man the decks kind of stuff? Uh, well, my editorial philosophy, if I had one, was hire really good people and get out of their way. Okay. Uh, yeah. I didn't it's a great need, philosophy. I didn't, need to hire, yeah. Yeah. I didn't need to hire somebody. I had to hand, hold their hand and, and, you know, I have too much mm. to do. I've got whatever it is, six or eight books a month and whatever specials and, and whatever else I'm doing. Um, I don't have time to, to hold hands. I mean, occasionally I would do it because I found somebody new with promise or something and, and you know, yeah. felt it was worth the time and effort. But for the most part, you know, if I can hire, um, you know, I hired John Byrne a few times because, you know, John Byrne is real low maintenance. Oh, nice. Um, it's not. Yeah. You know, it's just like, uh, uh, what are you doing this month? Uh, I'm going to do a thing with a guy and they'll have a fight. and It'll be good. Okay, great. Um, look forward to it. <laughs> I get, you know, get 20 pages of, of finished lettered art and I, you know wouldn't have to do much to it yeah um so i hired john uh you know if i can have uh mark wade working on well mark's high maintenance no i'm kidding uh, <laughs> um but you know mark knows what he's doing yeah no problem uh so yeah i tried to go that way um you know but there aren't always that many creators of that caliber available yeah is it do you think the role of the editor has changed from what you've seen since your days as one? You know, I don't know. I I, okay. I, I haven't been exposed to modern editors, you know, in, in years. Uh, so I don't know what the role is. I, I, uh, I know it's undergone changes. I know for a while it was kind of, you know, the power was, well, their power wasn't monolithic. It was monolithic over the creator, but the create, but the power over the editors was whatever, you know, uh, guy was in charge of, of that department uh, with the overall vision. Um, you know, and Stanley asked that very question, you know, 
uh, you know, what does what an editor do these days? I, I, I have no idea. This is in the, the 90s. Uh, and um, Paul said, well, you know, pretty much the same you did. Just encourage, uh, you know, you, you, you people do the best work they can and help guide them. And, and Stan said, yeah, but, you know, I was too busy writing. I didn't have, uh, you know, time. It, it's like Paul said, well, you know, take a guy like Dick Ayers. You got work out of Dick Ayers. You got better work out of Dick Ayers than anybody ever could. And Sam went, right. well, you know, what I would do is Dick a story. Um, he'd say, so what do you want, chief? And he'd say, well, you know, it's a western, so I want to see the, the, the hoofs flashing and the, and the spurs jingling and the, you know, the guns, bam, bam, bam. And, and Dick would get all excited and hyped up and go, yes, sir, and go off and do this great work he did for Stan. And Paul said, when, yeah. I, give, when I would give Dick a, a script, he'd check it off in his little book and go, okay, I'll have this in a, you know, a week from Tuesday. We're going to have something else waiting for me. And, you know, he'd, take a, he'd go home and, and draw the thing. But, you know, so that's, that's what editors should do. And that's what Stan did. Right. Yeah, pass that enthusiasm along yes. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, and I think by the time, you know, my generation came along and, and people I was working with, um, you know, you didn't have to do that anymore. You didn't have to encourage uh, 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 you know uh, Marty Pasco to write a really great story because that's what yeah. Marty did um, you know it was uh, we, we came with enthusiasm we were the first generation yeah. who wanted to be there <laughs> it was all the you were the, I mean famously you were the, you, you and Roy Thomas and these sort of guys were the 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 generation of comic fans who, dis, who right. like sort of tunneled their way into the industry in, in front of all these dudes in bow ties and pipes you know, right, exactly, yeah. exactly, and you know, the previous generation. I mean, you know, Carmine is a kid. He was he was a comic book fan. He wanted to do yeah. this, uh, but you know, by the time the fifties came around, these guys were embarrassed. You know, Stan would lie to his neighbors and said he wrote children's books. <laughs> yeah, um, because he was embarrassed by what he did. We weren't embarrassed. You know, I I would say to people, you know, I'm nineteen or twenty years old. What do you do? I write comic books. It's like, yeah, you really want people to know that. <laughs> yeah. one of my favorite pictures i found in one of your books was the there's a load of writers and um it, it i was reading i was trying to work out who was who in the image you know and there was a picture of mike grell and it said mike grell and hidden behind him is stan lee yes. and mike grell is just like towering over him yeah that well, was no, great, no, no. stan stan had hold of mike's belt and had lifted him off the ground oh why okay all oh, right <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant yeah <laughs> yeah, this this was uh, late seventies at a Chicago con, right? And um, uh, yeah, it was just like yeah, there was you know Jeanette Kahn was there and Stan and and you know you couldn't see it, but Sal Harrison was peeking out from from behind. Don McGregor, there. I think, is in the picture as well, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what dudes! I met Grell at some heroes a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago. What a geezer! Mm -hmm. What a dude! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so we're gonna we've kept you for quite a while now, Paul. I'm conscious, conscious of that, but we do have a lot of people who listen to the podcast who are creators themselves. Yes, and mm. I know that you and it, well, your books are very anecdotal, you know, especially the um, I never write for money, but I always turn in a manuscript for a check, <laughs> which is the best title ever. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, but we thought we'd maybe pick your brains about how you approach a script. Um, of course, so gosh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, well, what do you do about that that blank page? I mean, do you do you do you come fully prepared with a 
you know, a, a box full of tricks and stories and stuff, or do you think, right, I've got to write a Supergirl story today is a blank page. You know, how, how did, how did your, your mind work as you approach a story? Um, well, back when I was doing, you know, serialized, you know, comic books when I was, uh, you know, monthly, monthly comics, yeah, it, it was kind of, you know, I, I, I wasn't a planner. Um, I'm, I'm a more, you know, I'm a seat of the pants kind of guy. Cool. Um, the most planning I ever did was when I was writing the, uh, life with Archie series. And, um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, I had to work out these six months, six month arcs for whatever it was, 16 or 18 characters that I was writing, but double that because I was writing two different timelines, you know, one, one where Ma Archie was married to Betty and the other where he's married to Veronica. Yeah. So, um, you know, that I had to plot out. Uh, did you almost, did you get in trouble with a lady in a bookshop because you killed somebody in that comic? <laughs> that um, uh, well, there was a, um, yes, we, it, was, it wasn't for the, for the death of Archie. It didn't get physical. I'd like to. Oh, oh yeah. no! There was. Um, uh, it <laughs> was not misery. Of, it was the yeah. death of Grundy. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I was trying right. to think who it was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes, I wrote about it. It was in a Barnes and Nobles, and I was, I had passed the humor section, and there are my life with Archie, you know, the 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 collections of graphic novels, in the humor section, whereas all the other you know collections of comics are in the graphic novel section. Yeah. So I'm standing there kind of looking at it and shaking my head and this, this you know young lady walks by and asks she can help me and I said, Yeah, I was just wondering why um, you know, this is this is shelved here and not with the, the graphic novels where people would go looking for it, not humor, because this isn't a really a humor story. And you know, she didn't understand what I was talking about or anything. And and along the way I babbled, you know, and, and different things have, you know, this is like serious stuff. And again, she has no <laughs> idea what I'm why I'm moaning to her about a freaking Archie comic being being in the wrong section. Um, <laughs> and then I say something about, you know, and, and like, you know, Miss Grundy dies. So, you know, I, I kill Miss Grundy. This is serious stuff. It should be. And, and you know, that 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 she absorbs and she she kind of gives me this this, you know, this hateful look. <laughs> you killed Miss Grundy. You know, it was like, <laughs> well, you know, She's asking for it i don't know <laughs> yeah but we also got in trouble with the gay marriage story in uh, number 16 okay uh, uh where this company uh, this, this group called million moms which i think is actually eight moms in a fax machine uh, <laughs> got in got up in arms over you know this this gay wedding celebration scene on the cover uh, that she saw in Toys R Us and started this whole, you know, campaign to. Oh, to I think it. I remember this. Yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. this being about, yeah. To get us off the newsstand and, and to, you know, to shut this down. And um, thanks to their uh, protest, uh, it became the first com uh, Archie comic ever to sell out its entire print run. <laughs> Look at you still causing shit. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so. Good yeah. work. <laughs> So, I mean, how do you, another question we, I thought we would ask is how do you approach dialogue? I mean, do you snatch things from real life, you know, things you hear on the, the underground or on the bus or something, you know, is it, how do you approach that? Because, I mean, sort of, I suppose, historically, DC books were, so there was a lot more dialogue and exposition in them compared to perhaps the sort of deconstructed stuff we're seeing these days. How would you approach books? I mean, like Checkmate, which is quite story heavy, isn't it? You know? Yeah. 
Yeah. I, you know, you, if you listen, most people speak essentially, you know, the same, you know, there are differences. There are, you know, uh, uh, different phrases and, 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 and tempos and, yeah. and whatever that people use. But, um, you know, for the most part, you don't, you, you're not trying to, you don't want it to stand out. You don't want it to be obviously, you know, when, when, you, when you do, uh, you know, you phonetically do Southern accent, um, okay. you know, it just, y'all don't want to be doing that kind of thing there. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, it just, it looks stupid, you know, it's, it, yeah. Uh, yeah. so you, you let them know, you know, the, the, the sentence construction may be a little different and the syntax is, is different. Uh, and you, you know, you put in there as uh, you know, he said in his heavy Southern twang or, you know, in a, in a, in a voice that reeked of the, uh, West Virginia hollers, you know, uh, something like yeah. that, uh, to, to let it be known that there's an accent there, but you don't want to, you know, have to people like stop and try to decipher what the hell you've done with this phonetically, you know? Yeah, I get you. I mean, you speak quite a lot about in, um, I never write for money about, um, finding your voice. Did you want to just explain what you mean by that, Paul? Um, you mean the voice of characters, or, or no, voice the voice of, of your own writing? You yeah. said, you know, you, yeah, you, you, it's, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's like the way you speak, it's the way you express yourself. Uh, every writer is different. Um, uh, you know, most writers are not that different enough that you can easily pick them out. But there are, you know, the, the, the great ones are ones you just hear a line. And even if you don't know the quote, you can go, wow, that sounds like Hemingway. That sounds like yeah. Fitzgerald. That sounds like Faulkner. Uh, you yeah. can kind of, you know, get the taste of that. And um, and it's just, again, it's, it's just your, your individual voice. It's the way you speak to the reader on the page. Uh, um, it, it, it's, uh, most of it, I guess, isn't really a tangible thing. But... You know, you can you can tell the difference. Uh, you know, Jack London. Uh, you know, he was such a you know he was such a a, a, a masculine writer. I mean, you know, not yeah. just the fact that he was a manly man, which he was, but the fact that his his whole way, his whole way of thinking and expressing himself was just you know kind of you know big and bold and aggressive. Um, uh, so you know. How did you how did you go about finding yours? Was it just literally putting the time and effort in there, you know, yeah. doing the yeah. yeah. I think it was there's theory of, you know, ten thousand hours. Yeah. Um yeah. It it just takes a long time to to kind of keep at it. And you know, it's 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 difficult, more difficult in comics, I think, because you're you you have the pictures that are distracting, you know, the pictures are the main mode of, of storytelling people are not reading your words that carefully they're skipping okay. word balloons right right you, you're not really focusing on the word balloons you're kind of skimming across it as you're, uh, you're absorbing them with the picture yeah. um so you know so it's tougher to kind of you know find and and, and provide a really strong voice there but in prose you know they're they're just it's it's right out there um, yeah, you got nothing else I mean, having to... having read a lot of your prose recently, you know, especially the stuff like um, I Never Write for Money and, uh, and and some of the interviews and stuff, you, you're quite conversational and anecdotal. Is that right? 
Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I, I one of my more recent books was called uh, "The Devil and Leo Persky." Right. And, um, okay. The character of Leo Persky is. Uh, I, I had been an editor and writer for the Weekly World News, um, <laughs> the American tabloid that uh, you know prominently starred Bat Boy and Bigfoot and, and Elvis. <laughs> yeah. um, Brilliant. Oh yeah, it was great. Best job yeah. I ever had. Um, and um, uh, so, in Leo Persky is a fictional is a fictional reporter for the Weekly World News uh, in a world where everything that that paper reports is absolutely true. Um, and and um, you know, he's a little nebbishy Jewish guy in his forties. Um, and I even did a short story about his mother because. What's right. forty guy guy nebbish Jewish guy in his forties without his mother, um, <laughs> but you know he's a monster hunter and a reporter and he does all this stuff, and it's all very you know it's first person tongue in cheek, um, you know totally totally having fun, and it's just so you know that type of stuff is so easy and relaxed for me to write uh, because that's that is my my voice you know is, yeah is that so um, yeah and. and even in prose, it's kind of <coughs> um, uh, in, in nonfiction, you know, still it, it comes through, you know. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, that's yeah. it's a really nice read, those yeah. books of yours, because they're sort of almost short, short chapters. Like they're almost like essays, aren't they? I suppose. Yeah, they were originally essays and, and, uh, and, and blog posts and things like that that, um, that were collected, you know, rewritten and updated yeah. and collected. Uh, and I also did the, uh, Paul Kupperberg's Illustrated Guide to Writing Comics. Yeah, I must get this. Yeah. Which is a, uh, you know, a straightforward how-to book starting from, okay, here's what a word balloon is. Here's, you know, <laughs> and, uh, they're, they're balloons, not bubbles. Okay. <laughs> balloons have little tails, have little strings. Bubbles don't. So. The, um, I, the, there's how a... many people get those mixed up? I... Yeah, they do, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's um there's a there's a short story Paul of yours which is how you met a millennial and he sort of explained things to you which is probably my favorite one of yours it appeals to my sort of grumpy old bloke outlook on life oh the, the one who told me his uh his he said he had a great idea for for a, a, a graphic novel I cannot tell you how many times we've been told that at conventions uh, yeah. yeah and and he tells me this whole thing you know it's essentially uh uh, uh, just the, the, the story beats, like, you know, this happens, this happens, this happens. And I said, okay, well, that's, that's, you know, that's the plot. Where's the story? And he said, well, that is a story. You know, he starts retelling it. I go, no, 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 <laughs> you, you know, plot is what happens. Story is why, who is this guy? What you know, did, did they kill his dog? Did they, did they, you know, rob his girlfriend? Did they do whatever horrible thing? Why is he doing these things? Oh, I don't know. Well, then you don't have a story. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did he know who you were at that point? Yeah. Yeah. He was, it oh, was he at a signing. Okay. It was at a, a signing at a comic shop and he was, uh, you know, telling me that he was there. That he had me sign stuff. And <laughs> do you do many cons? Paul or? Not a lot. Um, no. I, I mainly do one, there's one here in Connecticut called Terrific Con. Oh, I've heard uh, of that. Yeah, it's terrific. I think John uh, Suntris does some panels <laughs> of that one, doesn't he? John does. Yeah, John does yeah. a lot of the, a lot of stuff there. Yeah, it's um, it, it's a it's a good show. It's you know uh, uh, big enough that he gets a really good um, 
really good people and you know he and he, and he does concentrate on you know our generation of of nice creators. you know the uh you know he, he had joe sinnott there regularly he had uh, wow. uh, uh um uh, joe giella still shows up um you know so yeah you know he has all these guys and and you know us and you know and grill and shaken and and uh Steranko. Um, oh it sounds like my jam that one yeah definitely yeah, yeah. Oh, good old Steranko. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we have something called syrup of figs here i'll explain it to you in a minute um <laughs> the so just a couple of fun, of fun questions before we go on to promote your stuff a bit paul because i think it deserves it definitely is are there, who was your favorite character writing who did you write that you just enjoyed the most um well for for various and sundry reasons that have little to do with with the stories i wrote except for a handful uh superman uh, just okay yeah he had the most um he, he was he was my safety character i i was i i didn't have a happy childhood particularly right for various reasons and um superman was 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 my hero you know okay so it's almost like a com- comfort food writing kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and just yeah. any chance to do Superman, you know, absolutely. Um, uh, but my my favorite writing experience overall, uh, over long haul, was that uh, um, was the Life with Archie. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I thought I did some of my best stuff there, and uh, and just you know, and, and I had reached a point where you know, uh, once I hit stories like vigilante which were costume but not superhero yeah per se um i started finding uh i was much more interested in writing those stories that uh, the okay. superheroics kind of took me out of you know you can't write a serious story about uh child abduction or rape or or you know a, a terrorist attacks or something terrorist yeah attacks <laughs> when you have somebody who can fly in and stop it you yes. Know, yeah. You know, when you when you admit that you're in that universe, well, why the hell isn't Superman here stopping this right yeah. now? Yeah. You know. Um. Well, so, we it, were passing it, around a quote of yours, Paul, about um. I think it comes as a footnote in one of your books, and forgive me, I can't remember which one it is. Um. Well, you said that the only true Superman stories are written by Siegel and Schuster, yeah. and everyone else is kind of copying them in a bit is that right yeah. is that the way am i i'm right that's what you thought uh, exactly uh yeah john Byrne and i were, were talking one day and and um and we were bitching and moaning about you know what what, what the <laughs> punks had done to our superman and that you know nobody they weren't they weren't doing the real superman anymore and that just kind of stopped me because you know i did superman in the 80s as did john and um, we had 40, you know, whatever it was, uh, you know, 50 years, 40, 50 years worth of, of stories to fall back on. But the only person who ever, the only people who ever truly did the real Superman was Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster. Right. Okay. Yeah. Nobody else could do the real Superman because nobody else created them. Right. Period. The end. Uh, you know, there's everybody took everybody else layered something else on top of you know uh, on top of that and then the next guy layered and the next guy layered and and, you know in the 80s you could still genetically recognize the character as Siegel and Schuster Superman but Mm. it was so far removed from what they had uh, originally done and ended 
uh, and probably even would have been capable of, of evolving into. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it, every Superman is, you know, I also say that the, the golden age is, is whatever you read when you were 11. Yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. if you were 11 years old and think that uh, uh, Image Comics was the best thing ever, you're right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 we get that a lot. Yeah, it's, we hear that. Yeah. A lot. I mean, comic comics can be certainly like when you get older. It's a very nostalgic medium, isn't it? You oh, know? absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and it better be because you know you're yeah. a grown up. And you really shouldn't be reading this stuff anymore. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And uh, one last fun question is: What was the character you haven't written yet, but you would like to? Hmm. Um, I know you've not written much for Marvel, have you? Is there anyone over there, for example, you'd like to write? You know, there's 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 a lot at Marvel. I I, I did do a fill-in issue of, of Captain America yeah. back in the seventies. That was so awful. <laughs> uh, you know, it was bad enough. Uh, yeah, it was just it was awful. It was it was just you know. Uh, uh, I'm sorry I brought it up because now somebody may go look for it. But <laughs> it, it is um, on the app. I've found it. Yeah, but yeah. but Captain America. You know, I I yeah. love. Uh, he's he, he's right after Superman. Um, okay, and a bunch of others, you know. Um, uh, uh, I mean, I saw I saw that you got a uh, Captain America shield on your yeah in the yeah. background there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, uh, uh, you know, uh, most of the characters. Thor, I could live without. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, most of the most of the main uh, the, the main uh, Marvel characters. You know, I I kind of dabbled at spider-man in a couple of novelizations and mm. yeah in, in, in and you wrote a, a hulk novel as well yeah. i think is that right well it was uh they were both one was spider-man and the other one was spider-man and the hulk yeah. right it was, okay uh, it was in the marvel novel series from 1979 i think it's well, interesting that the the two characters you pick from each company are the characters of all of their um you know all of the characters that they have they're the two that are the ones yeah. that inspire hope yeah, I mean, yeah. Cap's kind yeah. of Superman for the Marvel Universe in my yeah. head sometimes, you know. Yeah, I mean, their, their motives are, are, you know, presented differently, but they're yeah. they're very similar. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, both are the uh, the Boy Scout goody two-shoes of, right. of their yeah. you know, respective universes. Yeah, definitely. Cool. And that's what, I, that. that's what I want my, you know, that's what I wanted my comic book heroes to be. I wanted them to be heroes. Um, uh, the anti-hero stuff in, in com I mean, you know, I can I, I can read it and enjoy it and respect it and understand it, but you know, it, it's not the same. You know, these guys are are heroes. I grew up when comic book when heroes were heroes, and you know, you didn't bother. You, there was no ambiguity. Uh, you you know, you, nowadays it's like, is Batman psycho? Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. back when you know, back in the I did. No, he wasn't psycho. He was, eh, you know, please, a little disturbed, let's face it. Because uh, in, in, in all of human history, all of human history, no one, repeat, no one has ever gone out in a cape and costume at night to fight crime. Yeah. Ever. You know why? Because it's a stupid idea. <laughs> you probably get arrested. Or, yeah. or be considered to be a bit kinky. Killed. Yeah, yeah. You'd get killed because yeah. you're not Batman and you don't have all this, you know, you, you don't have make-believe comic book science to save you from a yeah. bastion skull when you get hit with a crowbar. Yeah. I can imagine some crazy person's probably done it. 
Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I can't even, I can't even, I mean, people have done it as stunts and stuff, but I can't even find examples of, you know, uh, of, of, of people who were insane, you know, crazy people who, who went out and do it. I mean, I've looked for it because I like pointing out that in all of human history, nobody yeah. has ever done this thing. Yeah. There was a chap called uh, Phoenix Jones who went out dressed up as a superhero and uh, obviously he didn't do the same kind of thing. He just walked around the streets and stopped right. people getting into trouble. But uh, yeah, none yeah. of that kind of running around the rooftops. <laughs> no. <stuff>. No. No. <laughs> because, You're banging uh, trouble. You're going to die day one if you do that rooftop. Thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah. Please. I mean, you know, so, uh, you know, all that stuff, you know, I reached a point in, in as a reader that that prevented i couldn't suspend my reality that much mm, yeah disbelief yeah. that much anymore um cool well we've kept you you've been very kind paul. yes been, paul we've been a legend man but i think we need to just talk about your current projects now um i'm enjoying that people who i've admired for years like yourself and mike grell and um a lot of other creators are using kickstarter as a platform to get their stories out there now i know you've been successful on kickstarter quite a few times now and you've got a sort of a you got a few books come out on there. I I backed a few of them. Um, did how's that working for you as a platform? Are you enjoying it? Is it nice to just get stories out there? Did you want to talk about what you've you've had on the go? Um, well, uh, the latest one, which just ended a, a, a like a week or so, a week and a half back, uh, yeah. is from a book called Direct Conversations: Talks with Fellow DC Comics Bronze Age Creators. Um, Brilliant. I sat down over the summer and I did interviews with. Uh, you know, just 10 old friends that I, I got into com got into the comic book business with at around the same time. Um, and um, so that um, uh, I've done on Kickstarter. I've done a few books just out of pocket. I mean, frankly, these days uh, with the resources available and, and, you know, print on demand. Print on demand. Yeah. Yeah. Really, you know, it really doesn't cost a lot to publish a book. You know, you can do it for a few hundred dollars. Um uh, this one I wanted to give a little bit more attention to, uh, yeah. so I did a Kickstarter, um, and it did well. You know, I did about 160 percent of goal, so I'm very pleased with that. Yeah, it's great looking, great man. Did you want to say some of the names of the people you interviewed? Yes. Yeah. Uh, in uh, in in um, uh, alphabetic order, we have <laughs> uh, Jack C. Harris, Bob Rosakis. Oh, that's not alphabetical, is it? <laughs> what is the order in which I did them? That's right. This list. Okay. All right, Jack C. Harris, Bob Rosakis, Anthony Tallinn, Michael Uslan, Steve Mitchell, Joe Staten, Paul Levitz, Howard Chaikin, Tony Isabella, and Bob Toomey. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, so they're people you interviewed. So for people who don't know, you used to do, um, when you were editorial at DC, I'm guessing, or on staff, that you would do the DC Direct Currents. Um, yes which yeah. changed in format at one point it was a magazine and, one, and interviews from that you've done a book on which is where direct comments comes from is that right uh yes uh, uh there, there was uh the the comic shop giveaway called the dc direct currents yeah and it was you know the comic book size it was printed on mando paper and color and um i wrote that for you know that ver version of it ran for over 90 issues i wrote wow. practically all of those uh, and I had written earlier incarnations back to the 70s. Uh, but anyway, each month we would highlight, you know, whatever new project was coming along. And as part of that, I would do uh, an interview for uh, a, a feature article in the uh, in the thing about 
a creator. So, you know, if it was a, a Robin, uh, you know, the Robin miniseries, uh, you know, I talked to uh, Chuck Dixon or yeah. whatever. And um, I didn't run them as straight interviews, as question answer interviews. I would take out, I would, you know, excerpt quotes and use them to write a feature piece. And so uh, most of most of the uh, of, of the interviews went unused. And, um, you know, I, a few years ago, I found a uh, an old three and a half inch floppy disk in, <laughs> in the closet. <clears throat> and on it were uh, interview were the raw transcripts of uh, interviews with the, for 22 of those uh, uh, interviews. Um, so I was able to take those and um you know edit them and and uh 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 and, and i footnoted those heavily uh yeah. those interviews because it was interviews taking place that took place uh you know 30 years ago uh, about things that had happened 40 years before that so yeah uh, lots of footnotes but anyway yeah so there's um so the new one is kind of a spiritual successor to that one I'm yeah, yeah yeah direct conversations were were all new interviews with these with these 10 uh, people uh you know and the the common link was you know i i've, I've known them for you know 40 47 48 years or more um all of them and worked with just about everybody um in some form or another over the years um so you know and we got into the business at the same time yeah and uh it, it was kind of that that it was a very important period because as i said before we were the first generation of fans to come in and 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 start working in the business and we were also the first generation to be invited in and trained you know dc okay. apprentice programs dc had the junior woodchucks um uh you know marvel would would bring in you know all these young guys to be assistants and they would spin them off into uh, in, into editorial jobs and writing uh, writing gigs and all that. So um, there hadn't been uh, this many new people coming into the comics business since really the the forties. Yeah. And, um, so and it's a period uh, of some great comics. The Bronze Age is our favorite, man. We we love yeah, it. Yeah, it, it was awesome stuff. It was a, a great time, but it was also a very pivotal time. Um, yeah. You know, everything about the business was changing. We didn't yeah. realize it until 20, 30 years later, but, you know, the, the comic book industry that I got into w in 1975 was very different than the one I left in 2006. Yeah. And the, the comics that are written from back then are now the basis for a lot of movies, TV series, sure. all this sort sure. of thing, aren't they? You know? Yeah. I've had a few minor characters show up on, you know, uh, 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 the Supergirl show and uh, they use my version of the uh, new Doom Patrol in, on the Doom Patrol show, yeah, Peacemaker, which I didn't create, uh, but um, you formed him, man. The, the, that mini series has got you know all the hallmarks of that TV James, series already. James you know, Gunn, James Gunn has been very, very generous in 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 crediting the work that that uh, John Ostrander and I did on, uh, you know, Checkmate and Peacemaker and Suicide Squad for yeah for inspiration for that stuff. Um, and you know, now that he's um, and now that he's in charge of running the movies and TVs and animation, um, you know, maybe I can convince him to do that Checkmate miniseries. Oh, that'd be great, man. That would be amazing. I love the design yeah. of that. It's incredible. Yeah. John yeah. Byrne's design of those costumes just looks so good on the page. Yeah. yeah. He did a beautiful job on this. So what's um, what's next for you, man? What have you got planned? You got to have another project up your sleeve, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I've got, um, 
got a couple of three things that I'm trying to decide which I want to do next. Uh, okay. Uh, one One's a novel, uh, and the other is a memoirish sort of thing. So okay. I'm, I'm debating. I, I have. <laughs> which one I do you have? Have, Okay. I have about 110,000 words of a memoir. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, you know, it, I, I reached a point where it was like, and then I edited, and then I wrote, and then I edited, and it's like, okay, this is boring. And, and but <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm gonna go back and I'm going back and looking at it and trying to find a point. And 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 if I do, I will. Well, there's a lot of comics memoirs out there, aren't there? I know Dave Gibbons is just about to release one. Pat Mills had one out recently. You know, there's yeah. quite a few. It's, it's quite hot, the hotness at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, I guess, but you know, um, uh, you know, I had done a previous one of, uh, about the truth of my life, and um, uh, you know, I sent it to my agent, and he went, eh, "This isn't going to fly." You know, you're, you're you're not famous enough for anybody to care about how you were. Oh no! Like, wow, I need a new agent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, good. And where can we find you on social media and online, all that sort of thing? Well, I am on uh, Facebook and Twitter under under my own name. Uh, and uh, you can also find me at uh, uh, my website is uh, uh, paul easy enough and uh, yeah. also uh, my stuff is uh, is findable on crazy eight press.com cool. uh, the and you're on instagram as well i think paul aren't you uh, i am on instagram i don't i don't do much on instagram uh, okay. although i may have to who knows i i may be forced to change out of political correctness to avoid elon musk but <laughs> <laughs> paul this has been an absolute privilege man yeah. i was so excited yeah, cheers, for this. Dude. yeah yeah we, we really appreciate it and um thanks so much go forth and check out paul's work yeah he won't look do. back thanks a lot it's been fun and there you have it folks <laughs> bit, a bit of a longer interview that one but well worth, worth it though. Oh, Could yeah, have gone yeah, four agree. times. Yeah. Yep, oh, yep. it's brilliant. Oh, yep. I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, it's it's completely. Tony is so excited. He's a little under the weather today, aren't you, Tony? I got a bit of bit of man flu, but I, I uh, overcome it. Paul helped yeah. me overcome it. Yeah. There you go. Comics <laughs> are healing. You see. Yeah. They are healing. Um, but but thank you to Paul for joining us. I was just sat back just listening. I was just like, I right, just take all this. <laughs> yeah. Out. yeah. Um, and we hope you enjoyed that as well. Um, before, we, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy the comics that we're going to talk about in a bit yeah. that you should check out. But before we do that, do we have any shout outs, gents? I've only got the one. So this Thursday, um, if you're listening to this on the day of release, Thursday, the 10th of November, 6 to 7 pm at Gosh, is the strangest signing. There'll be a oh, lot nice. of chuckleheads at that, um, uh, including Mr. Falp, and Eddie will be there. And a lot of a lot of good guys to so go and go to the Gosh site or go follow them on Twitter wherever it is you find them. If Twitter still exists by the time we finish, <laughs> um, and uh, you'll be able to see it. And the poster is done by Adam. Adam's uh, Mr. Falp has done the poster, and he's promised me a copy. He's going to save me a copy of it because it's a cracker. Um, but yeah, so that should be great. I mean, it's, the, strangers is the hotness. We've had Eddie on the show. I you know met Eddie a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a great signing at Gosh. So go along to that. That's my nice. only one. Dan, you got one. Yes, I've got uh, a few Kickstarters and uh, a bit of nepotism. So uh, we've got Avery <laughs> Hill Publishing, Spring 2023 line, oh, yeah. three exciting books, Pet Peeves by Nicole. I'm just going to give you the titles. Pet Peeves, Macbeth, and Big Ugly, because uh, I'm going to murder the names. Okay. Uh, and, and that's cracking on right now. We've got 12 days to go. Uh, no, it's, that's 
Was it a quick one that? I barely thought that had just come out. Uh, I think so too. I think it's <clears throat> quite a quick on this. So if you uh, want, okay. you want to, you better get moving because by the get time it. it comes out, you only have 11 days. Go on yeah. out like a cub on it. We've got uh, Shadows by Aaron Rackley and Dan Harris. That's cracking on us. Just cracked the halfway target. Got about another week to go on that. And it doesn't need my help in any way whatsoever. We've got uh, Killtopia, f- the final chapter, uh, encapsulate in issues one to five. Subpoint Tokyo becomes a high-tech battleground as Japan's deadliest bounty hunters fight to claim the world's first sentient mecha. Uh, a bust through its target goal, so back that. And you'll get some of this uh, awesome Subpoint action. Got to say, uh, Clark Bint's artwork on this. Fucking hell. It's, good. Um, it's yeah. really good, really good. Uh, and you can Clark often takes part of stuff on the uh, Slack group. So uh, hello, yeah. Clark. Uh, you know, I'm. It's the first time in about four years I haven't. I'm not backing anything at the moment on Kickstarter. Really? I'll have to go and back that now. Yeah, I can't. I can't have that. Yeah. <laughs> I've, uh, I was just saying, I was going through. Like, oh, I've got that on Kickstarter, but that hasn't yeah. come through. I messaged someone, said, "Oh, I haven't got this yet." And then I looked, and then the, their messages were, "I oh, were really sorry, this hasn't come out yet. We're really behind." And I wrote another message. And, sorry, I've just read your update. <laughs> 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 Don't have to see uh, come across that. Like, That's of those the way people. it is. Sometimes though, you, like sometimes the updates, uh, like I, my, I, mine get lost. Yeah, yeah, I don't read them all. Fucking yeah. hell! No. I just check to see if it's the actual comment yeah, being sent yeah. to me. Yeah, and I don't read it. Yeah, yeah. I think you should just like on the campaign, you do an, a message to all backers and say, "Here is the digital link." You don't need to yeah, email put that it. in the title. Yeah, yeah. yeah digital link to comic, and then if they miss it in a couple of months' time, they can go back and grab it because it's really easy to get to. Yeah. Uh, and I appeared on the Icecast live. Oh yeah, this yeah, is good, man. man. I enjoyed Thank this. Uh, talking about Viper, which is, I keep on pushing to get on Kickstarter. Uh, talked for an hour. Talked about the comic. Talked about eighty stuff. Uh, had some laughs and jokes. You look very uh, sexy, Dan. Oh, you and you're growing a moustache, which I found. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah, was yeah. like the talk of the town on Thursday when I walked nice. into the office. Mm. And they said, You're doing that for Mo- Movember? I went, No. No. <laughs> I hate Movember. Yeah. So uh, if you, it's a bit of a hard one to find. So if you just do the, the Ice Cast and Viper Special or Ice Cast Dan Butcher, it should pop up and it, it's, yeah, give it a go. It's good. I quite like the format of the host talking and then a chat pulling up videos to watch as you go mm. through. Mm. he's got like an assistant isn't he who does it for him yeah there's a chap called yeah. sam that works in the background and yeah as we're, he's sort of doing stuff he that gets pulled up on screen yeah so very good let's very, watch a bit of the good. full guy and all sorts of things yeah yeah, yeah. in the unknown stuntman yeah no mm. monetization in that show no. um, yeah. <laughs> speaking of shows of course this weekend uh the 12th and 13th is th- is the big one thought bubble comic convention mm. 12th and 13th yeah. of november in Harrogate, um, tickets are on sale now, or perhaps you've already got your tickets, so you're going up there. Um, there is a raf- of course the festival, the Thought Bubble Festival is just been running since beginning of November. Um, the convention is this weekend. Um, now there is a list of there are quite a few guests uh, and exhibitors, friends of the show, and and more. Um, yeah, but some of, some of the guests here, for instance, I'll just read, read off some names: Raphael Albuquerque, uh, Philip and Shelley Shelley Bond, um, Nick Brokenshire, um, nice Aaron Campbell, yeah. the Etherington Brothers, Gary Erskine, Sarah Grayley, Kieran Gillen, Jock, uh, Tula Lote, uh, Leah Moore, Leah. Oh God, I, she'll murder me if I'm on it. Sean Phillips. <laughs> as soon as we're t- talking about Sean Phillips, John Repian. 
Um, we've got Rachel Smith, Cy Spurrier, Richard Starkings, Raina Telgemeier. Um, that's quite a get because that's... Uh, Simone going. Gail Simone's. Gail yeah, Simone's I think so, going. Casper yeah. um, yeah. Wingard. Chris Wild Goose. Ram oh, v. the Goose is there. Yeah, yeah. the, go- the Goose did you is say that? Did you say that Gary Erskine's going? Yes. Yeah. Well, that's a surprise, isn't it? I didn't know he did guns. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ram V, G. Willow Wilson, and uh, Martin Simmons. That, that, hey, that's the stuff. He's, he's got some OA with him. Go and buy some. Man, yeah, yeah, you better yeah, fucking yeah. get in there quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go, go, go in there and get them. Now, I'm just going to randomly pick a few exhibitors. There, uh, There is an enormous amount of exhibitors, as always. Um, yeah. We're not going this year, so I'm just going to. That's why I'm just chucking out some names so you, you can add them to your lists. But do what I yeah. do when it comes to comic conventions and or music festivals whenever I go back to one of them go to um, thoughtbubblefestival.com and make a little shopping list because all of these links go to the websites and stuff anyway so I've already got an idea in my head of some of the stuff I'm going to buy before I even get there Um, so as I'll have FOMO go and get some of this awesome stuff and tell me um, you know we're looking forward to seeing the the con halls Um, but for instance we've got Ahmed Rafet Afterlife after Light Comics. There we are. So much horror comics there if you if you want mm. to get them. Um, Black Lodge Press. Black Moth Eyes. Um, Bog Eyed Books. Cabin Boy Studio. I'm just going to roll, roll down. Chris Chris Mole. Chris Askham. Chris Baldy. So many Chris's. Um, Claude TC. Uh, does amazing. Oh, we like his stuff. Yeah. Dave yeah. Cook. Oh, yeah. yeah yes. There we were go. Just talking about there. Dan White. Uh, Dan Charnley's going to be there. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. So oh, I missed Dan at the lakes. Yeah, I want to see him. Yeah, 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 definitely catch up with this. Awesome. Get on his sub stack. It's great. Yeah. yeah, and there's yeah. awesome sort of horror artwork happening there. Yeah. Um, what else we got here? We got uh, Fr- Fraser Geisen, um, Felix Mial, Galactic Comics, um, N- Nash Comics. I almost said Nosh. <laughs> uh, God, <laughs> that all right. God's Teeth, Gustavo Vargas, of course. Gustavo yes. Vargas. He's done commissions, isn't he? I think. Yeah, yeah. He is. Yeah, they're looking. Get on, on that because next great. next year he'll be on the guest guest name. I'll put. Yeah, money I've got a couple that. of. He'll, I've got a couple of frame pieces of his. He'll yeah. be on the guest list. I'll put money on that. For Gareth Hopkins is there selling. Yeah. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. His book, um, uh, which I, completely escapes me now. Uh, oh, sweet. razor blade, sweet. <sighs> Raisin. I'm just going to sit here, listen to you, fucking no, try and do it. Uh, sweet jelly baby uh, monkey trampolines. Oh, there big thanks to him, by the way, for putting us in the back of his book. Yes, yes. thank yes. you. Yeah. We love him with the power of a thousand sons. Um, yeah. Also, the boys from Horde Comics could be there. Hawk and Cleaver, Hellbound Media. You know what you did. Hocus Pocus. Yeah. Uh, um, Gareth Slight Home. Please go and buy loads of stuff. Yeah. Gareth, he's one of my favourite artists. Um, a name that I just love, Joe and his killer robot dad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, why wouldn't you want to go to a table that's got that? Uh, <laughs> Katie Whittle, uh, Catherine Rose, uh, Julie Campbell, Catherine Briggs. Uh, oh, Catherine's there. We had Catherine on about four years ago. Mm. Wow. She, remember, she moved to the States, didn't she? She must be yeah. back then, I'm guessing. Yeah. I like maybe, her work. Maybe. maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, um, James Lawrence is going to be there. Uh, Luke Hyde. Rob Luckett, who uh, yes. spoke to him about uh, Bumstorm. Bumstorm, great comment. Bumstorm, great yeah. name as well. Yeah, MD Penman, uh, Mr. Hope, the Mindless Ones and the Silence Pod are going to be there. Um, Morbid Comics, which could be as many comics as you want. Um, God, this is good. Ned Hartley, I'm just going to quickly run through a bunch now. Ned Hartley, our mate Pete Dory is going to be there. Uh, yeah. Paula Lucas, uh, Philip 
Appley. I'm just picking names uh, out of a hat now. Do five more. Okay, five more. Then we've got uh, Rafa Labosco. Brilliant artist. Sarah Milman. Yes, Milman. Sammy Ward. Um, There is... I'm I'm just scrolling down. Uh, How many have I got, Dan? Two more. more. Two more. Three three more. Stephen Ingram's going to be there. Yeah, all good. Good lad. Yeah. Um, Tim Bird. And finally... Finally, I'm going to pick out Will Kirkby because I bought some of him. Oh, yeah. uh, the Wine and Zine gang. Are oh, there, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, the, um, is Barry Cheeseman there this year? <laughs> Barry Cheeseman's uh, everywhere, but we yeah. never see him. If they yeah, wanted a full list, them. Vince, where could they go to find they that? They could go to <laughs> thoughtbubblefestival.com. Ah, are you two on acid or something? No, uh, this is just... what it's like being professional, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> you should try it. Um, no, there's... I hope that geezer's selling those signs <laughs> back next year. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. Smash the patriarchy. I want to get one then. I forgot yeah, to get yeah. a sign. So, of course, there's exhibitors, there's maps, there's debuting books, there's, there's all of this good stuff. Thoughtbubblefestival.com. I mean, hope it really goes well and the Thought Bubble guys, yeah. um, you know, they, they really work hard to put on a good festival weekend. Mm. Um, so we'll, we will I keep be... getting emails don't you from saying oh are you ready to book your hotel in Harrogate and I'm like yeah. I'm going yeah. stop yeah. emailing me yeah um, but no we look forward to hearing um, about the new books that have been uh, been arriving and stuff because I'm sure there's, there's going to be lots that I'm going to add to my wish list so definitely thoughtbubblefestival.com go there get your tickets I know a lot of people don't work. do acid yeah don't do <laughs> drugs drugs are for mugs yeah and uh, mugs are only good for tea and coffee. I'm not going to be a fascist. Uh, uh, <laughs> green tea. Uh, green tea. Oh, I wish no I drinks really, that. It's like I w- piss. I wish uh. I liked fruit teas, but I just uh. don't. I just fruit can't. teas, man, smell great, and then you taste it. Just oh, like drinking wee wee. Yeah, we've all what? done that. And yeah. what? No, we haven't. Accidentally. Yeah. I think it was last week when... Uh, oh, was I, it? You drank, I, we drank wee No, last week I posed <laughs> a question about the bucket of piss being thrown over here at Halloween. Yeah. Warm or cold? Warm or cold. Always warm. Like a lens. Yeah. Anyway, right. You're not winning either one of those scenarios. Yeah, but... I, I don't think you ever <laughs> no. win when throwing someone... Um, throwing a bucket of piss over you. Mm-hmm. No. Unless you're on Depends fire. when you do the wee, isn't it? Sometimes during the day, it's like a lighter colour, isn't it? Yeah. What fucking film's that from? So, can you get sick drinking your own piss? He goes, yeah, I think you can. So, what, electric even... blue eight, and he goes, what? Even your own? So, oh <laughs> god, what is that? I can't oh, remember what film I that is. I... <laughs> oh god, I'm gonna, th- yeah, I'm gonna what, be thinking even about your own. That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> I can't think about that now. Scream it at your iPhones, uh, <laughs> folks, while you listen to this, or whatever device. I've never done it. Listen. No, no, no. Yeah. Oh, right. Now, now's the time when you say it. <laughs> <laughs> you two yeah. weirdos. I'm not doing that. Anyway, I don't drink my own. Right. Good man. <laughs> I don't drink. Oh, God, I feel sick. Go While oh. I'm being sick, someone recommend a comic to our lovely listeners. Can I recommend one we, I think we've all uh, got? Yes. And, uh, it's Reject All uh, oh. by David Robertson. The, uh, I, I like to think of this as kind of like a... Uh, a stand-up routine of like an observational comedy and some okay. st- stream of consciousness kind of comics. And they, they can be like one page comics, uh, three page uh, sort of muses on star Wars and stuff like that. And Dave's teamed up with a, a myriad of artists and uh, humorous, uh, insightful, uh, 
some you're very fond of Star Wars, aren't you? He loves Star Wars, isn't he? Yeah. Dave? yeah. Uh, which yeah, I've got no hate for at all. I've kind of Star Wars is they've kind of lost me as a as a, a, a fan. But uh, yeah, it's because they keep casting Captain Kirk as someone else, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, biddy biddy biddy. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, story of uh, Liam Neeson uh, going around on the bus shooting everyone was uh, great. I really enjoyed that and all the different spaceships. But uh, if you go to uh, Friday Comics, uh, Dave Robertson, and you can go check out all the other books he's got, which there's a list of in the front, and there's bloody loads. So go check that out. And I presume you'll be popping up in the next uh, That Comic Smell anthology. Which, yeah, that's not long uh, off, I think. Yeah. 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 So who are the artists? I think Helena's in that, isn't she? Helena's in that. Uh, you put me on the spot there, too. Oh, sorry, babes. That's sorry. Unlike dare you. Yeah. <laughs> Throw me to the wolves. Uh, yeah. some, some are only initials, so I'm going to have a hard time doing that. Oh, uh, okay. Cleo right. Ding, uh, Helena, uh, Francesca Dob- Mans- Dobster in it? I'm not too sure, actually. What about the Dobster? Is he there? Or- Neil Patterson. Bob, Bob, Bob Dobbs. Uh, the Dob- Abby Dobrella. Dobberoonie. Is he in it? <laughs> <laughs> York. That's the real name, and that's in the book. That's a made-up name, isn't it? Mm. Uh, and many Dave's more. A, yeah, Dave's, exactly. a, Dave's Check- a liar. They're made-up names. Don't. Oh, there's a list of them at the back. I could have gone oh, through, okay. yeah, but yeah. I didn't. So. Yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. Don't take that personally if I didn't mention your name. No. They will. Um, or, or t- I do. I don't care. T- Tony. <laughs> Tony. What would you like uh, to recommend? So I got my I advertised our wares like the cheap prostitutes that we are yeah. on the strangers Discord and said if anyone's got a book send it our way we'll have a little look at it and I got a comic through just the other day called Endangered African Hornman and Juggy fifty two pages a mix of color and black and white it's an anthology all different creators now I'm just going to say to you I'm going to read the title out to you again and I'm going to ask if you can figure out who these characters actually are so Endangered African Hornman who would that be? This is a this is a pastiche on two characters already existing within the Marvel universe. Endangered, endangered African horse rhino. Horror, rhino, rhino. Yeah. Well rhino. done, rhino. And the second one is easier, juggy, juggernaut, juggernaut. That's that's exactly what it is. So it's a it's a, a pastiche, a, a homage, a satire of Rhino and Juggernaut, who do get off with each other a couple of times in the comics. Um, <clears throat> it's an anthology of eleven stories and four pinups. It includes a work of seventeen creators, all who are from. Um, the Ink and Drink Long Beach Discord group. Um, it got sent to me by um, the, I think he's like the editor or the bloke, one of the people who runs it, Erwin Papa, who, along with his buddies June the Goon and Roshi, started a drink and draw group, uh, creative community in Long Beach in South California. Um, and then when the lockdown hit, a bit like our group actually, this is sort of mm. the parallels for this to DUI, um, they moved online and became a weekly online hangout. And it's spread out throughout the US. So a lot of these people are from different parts of the US. And it's oh. currently now on Kickstarter. Um, but I got to see an early copy of it. Um, it's just, you know how brilliant I am with computers, guys. It was like a massive file. It took ages yeah. to download and it kept making my computer stop. But it is <laughs> worth reading. Um, a bit Again, a bit like RDI, DUI. It's, it's, um, it's a mixed bag of styles and approaches, if you see what I mean. Um, I'm just going to mention a couple of my favorites. So the Desert Carnalaise. I think it's how you say it, by Carlos and Rafa Flores. Um, and it's got this, it's got the people who are very similar to the rhino and the juggernaut. Um, they're in the desert and they're overshadowed by this creature who's sort of towering over them. <clears throat> and they're bickering about their recent poor life choices, um, about robbing a bank and getting involved in a thing as Mexican wrestlers. And, and then you realize that the monster that's overshadowing them is this huge sentinel 
that is speaking in Spanish. And it's just kind of funny, just a bit weird, made me laugh. The art's quite nice, the colouring in it is good. And then it sort of takes off, turns into a bit of a battle. Um, two versus one, which is by somebody called Jason Lego, um, which is just fucking batshit crazily drawn. Um, I don't really know how to describe it. It's just it's like someone's just attacked a page. Um, but it's got um, it's full of ink splatters and cloud effects and stuff like that, you know. Um, and they um, it's it's a story of a Wolverine style character fighting the Juggernaut, um, which is kind of cool. Um, like I said, there's a couple of stories in this where Juggernaut and Wolverine style characters get off with each other, and one where one has sex with the other one. You can guess who, who's who. Um, there's a oh, in Papa's, I think I think it might be my favorite. It's a story called Clobbered, which is right at the back, and it's done in art styles that are homages to already existing stories. So there's almost like She-Hulk appears in it, and there's almost like a, an homage in panel size and layout to a She-Hulk story. Um, and She-Hulk grabs the rhino by his balls in the last panel, which made me giggle. Um, but it's an anthology. Look, it's an anthology. We, we are, you know, it makes back. Yeah, exactly. It's a, pre- it's a pretty good hit rate in this one. It's lovely to see that it's done so well on Kickstarter. It's lovely to see that this little group of community of people have, are in on this like single joke and it just makes me laugh constantly. <laughs> you know, the sort of perversion of these two sort of super macho, bulked out characters and they put them in all these stupid situations. But uh, yeah, it's really good. Um, you can find it on Kickstarter at the moment, Endangered African Horn Man and Juggy. There you go, that's my first one. So Slack has become host to kind of like this terrorist, uh, terrorist cells of comic creators, hasn't it? Where they, <laughs> they're, they're, they're doing also, what they like. Yeah, like a decentralized yeah. network that all kind of aim to do the same thing, but don't yeah. get in contact with one another, just, just make f- comics. Fuck around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I kind of like that, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Who's nice. next, Vincenzo? Well, my, my one is one that um, I wanted to talk about for a couple of weeks, but I almost talked about it last week, but it was a Halloween episode. Um, this is a book that um, when uh, Danny from OK Comics um, posts up about it, I immediately She's saw always cover. reliable, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. Uh. Um, and it was going up in the store. I immediately saw that cover and I thought, what is that? I need to find out more about it. Treat myself to that thought, yeah. Vincenzo. Yes, yes. I took a rare um, punt on a hardcover book, mm. and it is glorious. It is from Dark Horse, uh, Dark Horse Books. It is uh, from Daniel Friedman and renowned illustrator Robert Samalin. I hope I said that right. Um, and it is called Kali or Kali, um, which. It is, as it says on the back of the book, a non-stop, high-octane, existential action spectacle. Ooh, what a collection of words. Um, synopsis is, stabbed in the back, poisoned and left for dead by her own biker gang. Callie sets off on a one-way road of vengeance across a war-torn desert battlefield, with impending doom coursing through her veins and a fascist army hot on her tail. Callie will stop at nothing to get her revenge, even if it's the last thing she ever does. Now, the way this... Spoilers, this book's fucking awesome. <laughs> mm. um, and definitely one of um, near the top of like books I've read this year um, in terms of the enjoyment I had. I just absolutely rinsed through it. And there's many reasons for it. If, if I was to sort of describe it to you, to you um, the feel of it, it has that sense of um, 
those post-apocalyptic exploitation films that like you know um spain um, oh, and other ones or italy sort of made um they, they and, sort of did the the mad max style ripoff yeah stuff. Oh, yeah i like all yeah, that stuff yeah, yeah there's a little bit of that there's a little bit of um the grindhouse going going on about it like the stylistically that the setup for this story but if you imagine if it was like that but it has the multi-million dollar hollywood budget do you know what i mean it's almost like that put in into a book um and it's just it it just rolls from page one um firstly that the artwork's absolutely stunning and it's definitely written in a in a way to let the artwork sing as well this is um this is an oversized hardcover so this feels like a big european book yeah in fact everything about it felt to me like it was a european it, you know it came from europe comics rather than anything else um and it starts off certainly the in the big cinematic style like the, the first page is just four uh widescreen sort of panels of you know close-ups of Callie's hands handcuffed behind her back then her boots scuffing through the the dirt then the third panel is you can see part of a chain around her neck and a and a knife still sticking out of her back, and then she's like part of like this chain gang of prisoners, prisoners of war that are just been. And then it, then the next two pages are a double splash page of looks like a sort of Utah Valley, that kind of like epic, yeah. epic sort of. It's that sort of landscape, you know. Um, but then it moves into like a sort of. It's weird. There's almost like a. It's almost like a war film sort of backdrop with a biker gang revenge story running through it. Um, it's a fictionalised sort of, you know, there's definitely, like, there's these, there's a fascist war element, you know, uh, army element. Um, there's lots of stuff going on that they kind of talk about in the background, but the story you're following is just this person that has been left for dead, fucked over, and they want to get back at the people who left them for dead, betrayed them. Um, the There's script is just it crackles all the way through um like for instance she's captured at one point and they're asking her name and that you know there's a beautiful sort of page of her sort of sitting there and like just the look of Callie is just brilliant as well like you know long dark hair leather you know biker leather jacket she's got like, these leather chaps and like a, like she's got this t-shirt which is like looks like like bones like ribs like a rib cage kind of thing so immediately you've got an iconic look to your character and through the first like 10 15 page well about 10 pages of the book she's still got a flick knife stuck in her like her <laughs> left shoulder blade from uh, the, the, from when she was betrayed um i fucking love when <clears throat> it's a wolverine thing isn't it when he's walking yeah, yeah. around he's got all fucking knives and arrows yeah. sticking out of him yeah i mean you love see it on the cover as well like you know um the, I mean, the, what on the cover, the, the only thing that's sort of different between her look, between the cover and the rest of the book is she doesn't have a name on the back of her jacket. She's got the, the biker gang name. Um, and, like, when she, the, the army are talking to her, they say, like, you know, why were you captured? And she says, I wasn't captured, I was betrayed. They tried to kill me, but I got away. Woke up with a chain around my neck. As for what's wrong with me, my own gang stabbed me in the back with my own goddamn knife. If I ever see them again, I, I'm taking their heads. And... From there, there's a wonderful sort of action scene. Some of this feels almost very like Garth Ennis Punisher Max in the way it's paced oh, nice. and, and, and sort of float and sort of rolls out as well. And as she's on this um, 
path of vengeance and taking out military people. There's like an action scene with a train and you're getting flashbacks to... It doesn't... It drip feeds bits of like the backstory and it's only in the end you really get the revelations of stuff which kind of twist and change your opinion on things. Um, and it does have some psychedelics as well in it. There's, nice. a, there's a there's a double page spread where she has a bit of a she's been poisoned and there's a bit of a hallucination where she's seeing someone from her past talking to her but no matter how much she's sort of beating them up like she cuts their face and their face peels open and another version of them craw- crawls out so there's loads of it's, there's weirdness going on um yeah yeah i think now that i've said it like it's just that sort of feel i had when i was reading like uh Sarah from Garth Ennis, or some of oh, the, okay. or, or the platoon. Oh, yeah, that kind of feel. There's some of the, you know, how you with some of the um, artwork in those books, like there's a double page spread which looks glorious this size, of her in this. I think it's t- I think it's two or three spreads in a row, and she's sort of in a ditch waiting for these like you know these troops to uh, like approach and like so she can set off a, a bomb. But you, over those spreads, you can see the whole battlefield, and it's just like just absolute carnage. And then the bottom—it's almost like a Where's Wally in the bottom right-hand corner. There's her in this ditch, and you just see the troops getting closer over three spreads. Like there must have been to have that sort of real estate to play with. You know, you don't normally you don't have that luxury, but it, I'm so glad this book does it. That allows the artwork to do it because okay. it, it gives it so much more of an epic scale. You couldn't do it with every story. Um, but this book is just a wonder to do things like that. It, it's a big, epic, widescreen sort of interpretation of a story that we're probably used to being small screen exploitation type stuff. So it's it's my highest recommendation. One of my books of the year. I'm so glad I took a punt on it. And it came oh, out, brilliant! That's it, great. It came out of Not nowhere. Yeah. So yeah, just just get. I might it get through. this in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's expensive. How much is it? It was. Um, about twenty five pounds, I think. Twenty five, okay. something like that. Yeah, it's a big hardcover book. There's not. A, yeah, you hit yourself in the face with it earlier, didn't you? Yeah, I did. When, I, when, I, when I showed them, yeah, and it caught me right <laughs> on the side of the head, like the edge of it. Yeah. Um, to read the book, you got as a blood sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the how book, we work on his podcast. The book also has like after the story's finished, it has like the making of of Kali as well, where you see like um, reference, you know, sketches, photos. The the layouts, the script, just lots of like character designs. So there's lots of back matter in the back, and like there's also like a double press red, which is the artist has taken a photo. One thing I love, and they're all original art pages because there's a double press spread that's just someone's taken a photo of all of the original pages on their desk, and it's like okay. oh god, glorious, glorious stuff. So that's my recommendation. Nice work. Um, which I've wanted to talk about for a while, and that's why, because I just wanted to rant about it. Um, okay, do we have any others before I've, we sign off? Should I do my one? I've got one go more, but I can leave it, it till next week. If you no, want. do it. It's all right. Okay, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, quickie, so. a back, a back, a back, something I backed on Kickstarter called uh, Power Broker. I've got issue one and two from this. And uh, 30 years ago, the secret to superpowers, superpower and abilities was unlocked. Geneticists were held as heroes as the promise of a new age of human uh, achievement shined bright. Instead, their work was quickly commercialized and the foundation of society buckled under, beneath the deluge of black market superpower beings. In response, a task force of professional supermen was commissioned to police the city of Potentia and neutralize this growing threat. They call themselves power brokers. Uh, that's a good synopsis. Essentially what it is like, 
in this kind of timeline is slightly kind of futuristic cyberpunk-esque uh you can buy superpowers but they're ridiculously expensive so some people go like a black market route and uh buy dodgy ones and sometimes they go a bit wacky and this is where the these power brokers have to step in sort of uh put them down as it were uh where the kind of the the story ends off in the end of the first issue is someone they take down they realize that they've done this to him before and when you get caught doing this they put like a blocker in on your spine that stops you ever getting superpowers again but this guy has had it like removed or amended somehow so he's gone in for another treatment and they've that's the beginning of the sort of mystery of working out who has got around this tech why they've done it and where it's going to go uh it won't give too much away from the second issue but it's got an absolutely fucking horrible villain but which is superb at this, the same time as kind of this a uh, thing that's like th- three bodies made out of bubble gum well they're all cycloptic and they kind of want to eat people and they're like the the uh, weird childlike creatures of the, the main bad guy and they're great really good characters so i'd love to see where they go uh it's written by uh i have to shut down the fucking pdf which is good uh let me just call it the dobster it's put out by uh studios which is unlikely heroes uh it's written by Todd Vincino, artwork by John Cutzer, lettering by HTE, published by Unlikely Hero Studio. The artwork in this is fucking something else. It's really action-packed. The only thing I'd say about it is uh, it feels like at times it needs to breathe a little because right. it's just, everything's action, 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 letter in, just full-on, full-on, full-on. And do you know what I mean? Like sometimes you just need a bit of breathing room. Uh, for me, this is a, a sub- completely subjective so uh, you, you may not take that away from it, but lovely figure work, perspective, everything. Yeah, good stuff. So go check that. I think this it's a limited series or it's an ongoing, but uh, that's Power Broker by Unlikely Hero Studios. Go check it out. Cool. Nice. And um, Tony, do you have another one? Or is that- I have, yeah. It's a very quick one. It's The Ink Drop by my boy, Adam Falp. Uh, hey. it's, a, it's a small zine format. Um, it comes in a, a brown envelope as is common with a lot of our comics. <laughs> but uh, this one instead has got the cover replicated on the on the front of the envelope as well in, in black ink. It's a black and white comic. Um, it's um, And then it's sealed. So you have to open this small envelope and take the zine out. Um, and the zine is um, a story. It's kind of a weird story of addiction, but also creativity. So there's this... Um, there's this man, and he's oh, the, the cover has got a man about you know with like an ink dropper, you know, like an eye drop thing. Mm. He's dr- about to drop ink into his eyeball, um, and what it says about that, and um, and you see what he does is he drops ink into it, and then he's kind of crawling as the comic continues. He's kind of crawling across a desert landscape, and as he gets closer to the reader, the camera, whatever you're going to call it, the you see that there's a star field within the mass of ink that's now formulating this massive eyeball of his and you fall it the reader then falls into this star field in a very sort of 2001 kind of effect you know um and of course because it's adam and it's us you know adam's sort of sensibilities the story then continues where you come out of the star field and a woman forms in front of you and of course she's naked with a massive bush yeah um <laughs> yeah um it's 
a really interesting approach to a comic which you you could read very quickly and mistake what i think it's about but there's certainly metaphors there to let's say addiction you know you've got this this almost like the ink is is an addiction you've got a metaphor with creativity um and the source point of comics and stuff like that and also links to the natural world because at one point this naked lady goes she finds a, a waterfall of ink and she goes and stands underneath it um and maybe i think it's do you remember the character that adam adam wrote about which is a kind of pseudo version of himself from the comic deadlines do you remember about how he was pleasuring a lady with one hand whilst thinking a new page for his comic with the other do you remember that one yeah. just <laughs> fucking brilliant um <clears throat> And then it um, it ends up with this big sort of fold out. Anyone who knows Adam, he knows he's obsessed with format. So the 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 last page folds out to be almost like to fold out to be a poster in a way. Okay. Um, and it's maybe there's a, a sort of metaphor around life and death and the, the relation to comics. And I think I'll probably leave you to, to to read it and make your own mind up. But it's just full on undiluted falp in a comic. It's just brilliant. I love reading this stuff he does. He just does it. You know, <clears throat> he comes to conventions. And he says, I've got this new comic out. So you, you haven't told me anything about this comic. You know, and he did it, <laughs> he did it that week. You know, this is what happened with Ingram. I don't think it's on our website. I think probably the best way you're going to get it is by going to um, the signing on Thursday. Okay. Might, might, I don't think it's a, there's a big print run. Um, I've got a copy, um, which I've got in Nottingham, and I think a few people have picked one up. But it's not a huge print run. The same as our um, Tijuana Bible thing. Um, graphic gospels. These, the only way you're going to get it is by finding us and getting a copy. But that's part of the uh, thing, isn't it? Like you got. It really is. Yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. moment in time, and if you're not there, yeah, we're not. Got it. We're not looking to do huge print runs and sell them to you know idiotic Joe public, you know, and put them on the shelves <laughs> of W. H. Smith. This is yeah. You know, this is an artistic moment. You're right, man. This is a, something of a sort of minor comics happening is that when we put this stuff out and Adam's the same. And this, this is, I love seeing this stuff from him because he just, he just puts it on the table. And I go, what is that? He goes, Oh, I forgot to tell you about that. I did that this week. And you read it and it's just brilliant. I just love it. You know, but there you go. The ink drop, find it where you may. There you go. There you nice go. one. There you go. So go forth and find all of these books wherever you may. And, uh, all we care about is that you found us. So we hope you yeah. enjoyed this um, episode this week. Learned a lot. Loved a lot, laughed a lot, and uh, probably enjoyed the interview and just put up with the rest. Go and of read some Paul yeah. Kupperberg comics. Yeah. Go and buy some of the books he puts out because they're just gold mines and just brilliant. I really want to pick up that book on under writing. Yeah, yeah it's just funny. He, he he writes like we just had that conversation with him. You know, it's yeah. very yeah. very friendly. You know, before I've never spoke to do before, but I just had warmed to him previous to his speaking. You know, mm. yeah. And so, he's brilliant at getting back to you. I love people who come on this show who just want to have a chat with you about comics during the day on Messenger. You know, this <laughs> yeah, is brilliant. Great. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So we hope you enjoyed that. And as always, uh, if there's anything you want us to talk about, if you've got any uh, endeavours, any new books or whatever, please get in touch with us. Uh, you can email us, awesomecomicspod at gmail.com. On the social media, at the awesome pod, where you can find us wherever. Uh, Book of Faces, yeah. Uh, mm. there's a community group awesome comics talk there's the slack group get in touch with us about joining that there's loads of great channels open uh, to everyone it's great yeah, yes. the awesome, awesome comics podcast uh, slack group please uh, join it there's a wonderful community of people over there thank you for listening to us on the website awesomecomics.podbean.com if you listen to us on 
other any other avenues for instance apple podcasts subscribe and like it helps the algorithms and all that nonsense help get the word out about it we got a new review didn't we recently Oh, do we? Oh, I missed that. Yeah, have a look. Yeah, I saw oh, it today. My, my ego is so fragile, I'm immediately going to check that out in a second <laughs> yeah. once we finish this. Um, if you listen to us on any other networks like uh, Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, Podnose, Podknife, what other networks are we on, Terry? We're on Pod Dong Shaman. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, Bob Dobbs. Yeah. Bob Dobster. Yeah, the, the Dobster. Do- <laughs> Bob Dobbs left knobs. Right, okay. Um... <laughs> Yes. Where can people? <laughs> God, dear God, it's always like this at the end of every show. But um, where can people? Where, where can people find our stuff, Tony? Neveronanything.com. Easy. Dan, you can find me on Twitter, Vanguard Comic. Uh, <laughs> Vanguard Comic. You can be Vanguard at VanguardComic.com. Yeah, I'm yes. still on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. If I'm going to leave, I'll tweet about that. Let's talk about days. it a lot. Yeah. And then yeah. go, then <clears throat> then come back to see if anyone had noticed me leaving. Yeah. Oh, can I also so. say that the panel I did at Nottingham with Eamon and um, Alan and Roger Langridge is now available on the NIA feed, so go and have a listen to that. Hey, the boy, the nice. boy's done well on that one. Yeah, Nice. Uh, you can find me on the social media at Jester Diablo. And also, if you go to YouTube, look for Safe Space uh, Mothership. Um, the, we're back from our mid-season hiatus. Oh, I saw that. So, yeah, so, yeah. Um, oh, excellent. If you want to see some people roll some dice, do some gaming, and have a laugh. Die. So, and die horribly. Or me, <laughs> me terrorising people. Whether it's this show or with gaming, I just like to um, give the people I Lord talk to nightmares. Yeah. Yeah. I like to lord it the, over people. What are you park. saying, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, right. Thank you for listening, everyone. Um, we hope you have a brilliant week wherever you are. Um, have a lovely time at Thought Bubble if you're going there. Have a lovely time at any comic event wherever you wherever you are. Yeah. Wherever you listen to this, whenever you listen to this, because uh, we hope you're happy, healthy, and doing well. Because you, we love you very much, don't we, Dan? Hell yeah! Don't we, Tony? Yes. Well, I think my <laughs> signal dropped out. Um, then. Uh, that's, that's <laughs> right. We heard an answer. Um, I feel I sound like a crow suddenly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Must be the cold. Must be my cold. Yeah, in a good yeah. way. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. What does a bad crow like sound like, Dan? Fuck knows. I don't know. Oh, that just sounds like you. Thank you for listening, everyone. <laughs> nice. Have a brilliant, nice. have a brilliant week. And from Dan, Tony, and myself, read loads of comics, make loads of comics, and as always, well, I don't know. I can't say what. What should they do, gentlemen? Stay awesome. Stay awesome. Bye. Do I sound a bit croaky? Bye. See you there. You mean croaky? Croaky. <laughs> What's fucking happening? Why am I a crow now? Mm-hmm.